sometimes not. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. This is episode 35. Uh, 35, 35, man. We're getting up there. We're getting up there. We're going to knock out. We're going to get to 50, no problem. We easily. are. It'll be the fastest PCP show to 50. I love it. It took one year. So thanks for joining us on this uh, Friday night. Things get a little wackier on Friday night, so we'll see where the show takes us. Exactly. Could be Zemo dancing. You never really know. That's uh, true. Yeah, but our opening song tonight is Hero by Chad Groger and, and Josie Scott. Uh, it was the big single from the movie we're going to talk about tonight, which is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man mm. from back in 2002, a movie I've been really, really dying to talk about since can, we talked the inception of the show. Can I tell you how excited I am to have Venom behind me and the Raimi films ahead of me at this point? Yes, we. these next two weeks we're going to cleanse uh, ourselves of the Venom yeah. yeah, and and then we're gonna be poisoned again by uh, but uh, the unamazing again. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining us. Whether it's on the Facebook stream, if you're joining us with Pop Culture Bros on YouTube, or on Twitter, or on Instagram, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate everything. Uh, with me as always is Jason. Jason, Hello. what's up, dude? And how's it going, Eddie? How was your week? Uh, pretty good. I had a you know a bit of a cold I was dealing with, which is why we had to kind of postpone from Wednesday. But yeah. feeling a little bit better now. It's that good. time of year. Glad, yeah, everyone's getting sick. I I usually get sick. It's a funny story. Never got sick. Never got sick. Never got sick. Started teaching. I get sick three times a year because I I work in a human like germ factory. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. Um, you know, so imagine imagine how wonderful it is to be back with with COVID still around. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're super excited about it. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait. Excited when I stick my head out my at the, my out of my door and I see two two people making out and I'm just like, guys, is that socially distancing? I don't care if you're making out, just socially distance at least at, at least. least socially distance while you're making out. Like you can have the venom song, like kind of like going far at each other, maybe. Right, exactly. If they look, if they did that, I wouldn't be happy, but I'd be I'd feel safer. This is true. That's fair enough. Uh, we got a comment dropping in here, though. Oh, of course. You knew this was going to be the first guy in here today. Uh, uh, uh. Amazing. Oh, wow. Alex <laughs> chiming in here. I'm probably not going to watch the Amazing Spider-Man because those are garbage. As we, without burying it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I've expressed some of my feelings on the unamazing Spider-Sham movies, but we, we got to do it. We said we're going to do, do all Spider-Man. We're going to get through it, and maybe this time around, with some fresh eyes, maybe we'll feel a little bit differently. I mean, that's why we rewatch these movies, right? And and the thing is, I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's like Venom. That's one of the ones that it literally took duty and service to this show to get me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am really interested to see how that conversation goes with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I have a good feeling I know how that's going to go, but you know, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. It's all right, but we don't look. That's future us's problem. Today we got Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Willem Dafoe is giving us, <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah, no, I, I I'm beyond jacked for this, so I I cannot cannot wait. Um, but yeah, let's let's kick things off. Let's now. Now I gotta, Eddie. I know we put it off for a while, but and I think this is why you got your cold. I think that's why you've been getting sick. We need to unhassle the Hoff tonight. 
because I, I think we're running we're, again. We're running dangerously clo- close to bringing the Hasselhoff curse of Germany down on us. Yeah, we can't have that. So we got to definitely unhassle the Hoff a little bit. So Jason, tell us about your latest episode of Baywatch Nights. All right. So now I, I'm going to be honest. I watched this episode for the show a month ago, and we, you know, we we had we're busy. So and I didn't rewatch it because I like this show, but I'm not rewatching <laughs> Baywatch Nights for y'all. I don't um, like him that much. No, no, no. Uh, so I'm just going to go through the notes I have and see if I can remember why I wrote them. Um, so this episode was called Thin Blood, and it's pretty much Angie Harmon has a sister who comes in, and she's like a, she's pretty much a thief and a, and a scoundrel, and she double-crosses her boyfriend in the beginning of the movie and uh, steals his money and leaves him to die, and then takes the money and goes into the Mitch and Angie Harmon and, and the group, and uh, the guy is, comes. The guy comes for his money, and that's that's pretty much the episode. And she's flirting with Mitch, and she's making Angie Harmon feel bad about herself. Um, and wow. all of this is to keep the money. So, best moment. I just I just looked down at my notes, and best moment of this episode is um, Mitch is being chased by the gangster who's looking for um, Ryan's sister. And he runs to a basketball court. It's a bunch of big guys playing basketball. And like, yo, Mitch, Mitch, what's up? And he's like, guys, give me a distraction. And they form a wall when the gangster tries to walk through. They're like, yo, walk around. <laughs> That's the distraction. That was the distraction. But I wow. love that Mitch Mitch has such street cred where he can walk onto a basketball court and go, guys, I need you. I mean, is there no doubt that David Hasselhoff himself could probably do that? Oh, no, 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 no. If, like, if Hasselhoff walked into a, a ball court and they were of a certain age, absolutely. absolutely. I think it doesn't even matter. I think they would just do it because he has that aura about him. That's true. It, they wouldn't even have to know that he's Hasselhoff. They would just no. go, oh, all right, let's 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 form the human wall. We know how that is. We've seen Baywatch Nights. You can just sense it. You could. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and this is going to mean nothing to no one but me, but I'm going to say it anyway. The villain is a um, an actor who was on the soap opera General Hospital as a villain for a very long time. And I used to watch General Hospital when I was in grad school. It's how when I was teaching and then I had to go to grad school, I had about three hours in between. So I'd watch really like mindless TV so I could zone out for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing him in something else was delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then then Mitch kills a guy. Wow, Mitch kills a guy. Okay, I didn't think Mitch, that's how it was going to go. He was saving Garner, saving his best friend, but Mitch kills a guy. Um, and then, you know, and, uh, Anthony Harmon gets abducted, and the guy, Scotty Baldwin, is the guy from General Hospital. He's like, yo, I know you got my money. Give me my money. And the, his sister, her sister's like, I don't have the money. And they have this, concoct this whole plan to get her back, and that's why Mitch winds up killing someone. But at the end, she's caught. She has the money. I never, I never saw that one coming. Yeah, right, right. Ever at all, and then she goes to prison. And then I realize I'm thinking, "Thin Blood." What a weird title. It's got to be a play on like blood is thicker than water, right? That's Thin Blood because they're so different. This yeah. is a deep show, guys. You guys should get on this with me. Oh, I, I can't say that I, I, I can. I still said I would watch the chicken episode, so I, I, I have to yeah. get around to watching the chicken episode. I promise you, I would watch that one. I, I will watch you. that one. I'm a man of my word. I need we'll to know, you know. And look, here's the thing. You don't like that chicken episode? This show is not for you. I will never... I'll still talk about it, but I will never ask you to watch another episode. No, I think I... I mean, did you ask me? I thought I volunteered for this. Oh, I think you episode. did volunteer. It was so You're right. absurd. You're right. I had you to see this say. with my own eyes. 
right. So uh, are, are we done paying our penance to, to the Hoff? We've unhassled the Hoff, man. Uh, David, if you, Mr. Hasselhoff, if you're ever watched, please, open invitation. Just pop on. Just pop on, talk about whatever you want. Yes. You're, you're more than welcome to. We, we won't bring up certain things that we did in the past that's behind us now. I don't remember what you're talking about. All, all I know about Mr. Hasselhoff is Knight Rider and Baywatch and this wonderful Baywatch Night show I'm watching now. That's and it. he is a beloved man in Germany. Correct. And that's all we need to know. All right. So let's get on to CW because that's uh, how we were going to kick off our comic book stuff uh, portion of the show. So let's, uh, get into, let's jump into Stargirl, season two, episode 10. No, Stargirl. it was. Yeah. So it's, let me just grab the notes quick. Yeah, it's going at a good pace too. Uh, I'm I'm really yeah. like I, I I saw I went episode ten. I was like, wow, this 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 season's going quick. I'm really enjoying the pacing of what they're doing. Yeah, no, I'm digging it. I I, I like the opening scene where we we I remember last week on the show we discussed how the original JSA looks like a bunch of douchebags. Yeah, the way that they treated Pat. But this episode opens up with a scene. It gives you kind of a completely different look at it, where Starman is like, really, you find that a lot about Starman and Pat, because Starman's pretty much saying, like, we knew each other when we were kids, and you kind of, like, basically led me to becoming Starman. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really nice scene to see, because he apologizes to him. He actually says, look, I'm sorry for for that, and I I really appreciated that, because I didn't like the way Starman treated him in that last episode. And you know, we as we discussed, and sort of as you, you're right. Now I see it in a different a different light, and I don't I don't really hold it against Starman as much. Yeah, and we get a lot more information. There's more fallout from Pat's secret, which you know can, that's continuing. Uh, we get the Shades origin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from Doctor McKnighter himself, who was in the the Shadowlands. Mm, I, think I yeah, called that's it the actual I name. Yeah, called it. He's in the Shadowlands, and that and that's where we get his entire origin story. Which I thought was pretty cool. I did too. I did too. And uh, and uh, yeah. And and it it makes sense. Like I can see the evolution of that man to this character. You know, the shade. Oh, okay. Actually, we have a new person jumping in here too. Hey. And I apologize. There. Uh, thanks, Roy, for joining us tonight. That moment I when I watched the show yet, and the spoilers are going. Uh, and it says I'll cover my ears. Roy, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Come back when you get a moment to watch the show. But yeah, we we talk spoilers. That's what we do. Yeah. We spoil the crap out of out of it for the week. Everyone's had a little bit of time uh, to check it out. But yeah, come back and check us out when you you've had a chance to watch the episode. Yeah, we certainly um, don't want to spoil it for uh, for anyone. No. So please, you know, if you want to check us out later or even come back nine thirty, we're going to be talking about uh, Sp- Sam Raimi Spider Man. I'm sure you've seen that. So and if you haven't you seen that. Oh, yeah, do yourself a favor, and I, I can't help you. Then. We're gonna, yeah, <laughs> sorry, the, the movie is what 19 years old. Wow, I can't believe yeah. that just happened. Yes, that's uh, why I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, it slipped. There it goes. Um, yeah, so we get that. So, we pretty much the, the gist of it is we find out that the shade was kind of like a con man and everything like that, and he was sent to like you know, it was like stealing the, the, um, the black diamond. And ended up getting his abilities like that, and it was through like a curse and everything. So that was that was pretty interesting to see. Um, there was also a, a cool Easter eggs in there where there was like pa- newspaper clippings that they were going through. I can't. I think it was was it Courtney that was going through the newspaper clippings. Mm, yeah. But Green Arrow is me- is named in it. Oh, and I, so, I didn't catch that. Yeah, and so it says Green Arrow and Speedy, which you, leads you to believe 
you know, like they were Green Arrow was a thing then. Right. And had like Speedy, his original sidekick, like in the comics. That which makes sense because this yeah. is the, a golden age team. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool as well. That's awesome. I missed that. Yeah, no, that was that was that was some cool stuff. Uh so then they go ahead and, and try to find Green Lantern's daughter again, who kind of just vanished for quite a few episodes. Um and is she in a, her? She's found in order to put the black diamond back together because the black diamond was destroyed. So what happens is the shade essentially tells them to reassemble the black diamond, and that's how they would stop Eclipso. Mm. And we know that he, the shade, tricks the team into doing that. Yeah, pretty much to get his own abilities back. Uh, and then it summons Eclipso at the same time. So the shade continuing his. Good. I'm, I'm. I'm good. I'm bad. I'm back and forth type thing. He hasn't done a bad thing in a while, so this was a no. pretty bad thing to do, though. It, it look, it's bad, but it's completely. It's exactly what he said he would do in the beginning. Yep. For he's his own gonna, good. Yeah. He's not going to burn a village down just to watch it burn and see people die. He's not yeah. evil, but he's always going to look out for his own best interest. And in this moment, this was his best interest. Yeah. No. And he just he's going with it. Yep. Uh, we get a little bit of Thunderbolt being back in the picture. So there was that whole candy house that was made and some of that for Pat's yeah. son. So yeah, I don't believe that had to do with Thunderbolt, another character that kind of just vanished. Oh for yeah, a while. yeah, good, good call. Um, um, there's there's a nice moment before we we go too far where mm -hmm. Solomon Grundy brings uh, our man and Apple in prison. Yeah, I which that I was nice. That I was thought it. that was a, just a really nice turnaround since our man was feeding him. And mm -hmm. again, I really I really love that they're making Grundy a realistic, like a real character and not just a, a brute and, and someone evil. Like they've given him heart. And I really appreciate that. I've never seen this side of this character before. No, me neither. And I think it's really cool what they're, what they're doing here. But at the end of the episode, Courtney is thrown into the Shadowland. So, and it goes, the whole screen turns black and white and everything like that. So she's like really in the mix. And I was like traumatized for a second. So I'm like, oh God, please don't tell me this is like Supergirl going into the Phantom Zone. We can't, we can't have this. The writers on this show are better. They are, they're better. They know better. To show you just how much I trust the writers on this show, I didn't even think that. Like, it didn't even dawn on me okay. that they might be pulling a Supergirl on us. Because I'm like, no, they're good. <laughs> yeah. Like, please, like, just don't, don't, don't do anything like that. Uh, we got another uh, fan of a bunch of the pop culture pros uh, chiming in here. Uh, Frank Terrizzo. Frank, what's up? What's How's up, it going, Frank? dude? Thanks for Thanks checking for us out tonight. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, we, we, got, we got a bunch of that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Then, you got anything for uh, Supergirl? Did we say Cindy was alive? Yeah, Cindy is alive. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did not mention Cindy being alive. That's no, okay. I was thinking it, and then I didn't remember if you said it or not, because I was thinking it like, don't let Eddie forget this. Don't let Eddie forget this. And then I forgot if you said it. Yeah. <laughs> Cindy's alive. Cindy's Spoiler alive. Word. She's not dead, because she's not Uncle Ben, and she's not, you know, Bruce Wayne's Martha. Parents. Yeah, not Bruce okay. Wayne's parents. So she, she ain't clutching pearls on her deathbed and death in a crime alley, is what we're saying here. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's fine with that. Um... All right, so let's move it on. Moving along. Uh, Supergirl, season six, yeah, episode 15. Supergirl. Supergirl. This was an episode of Supergirl, guys. Um, All right, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's it wasn't terrible, but again, I'm just I, I just not crazy about this season. I'm really disappointed. This is how this show's going out. So it's we got a lot of stuff with Esme. 
who is a mimic, right? She mimics people's powers, which means um, uh, someone around her was a fire spitter in that episode where she held people off. I'm kind of yeah, curious who that could have been. I don't know if they told us who it was, but it was just a question, like, who was the fire spitter then? Because we this in, it's in this episode we find out what her powers are. Yeah. Um, so we find that out, and that whole storyline is she's un, she doesn't trust that uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger are going to keep her safe. Like I just said, Mick Jagger because it was it. David Bowie. I love That's it. All. No, no, I love it. Let's just keep <laughs> rolling with it, man. Um, but uh, you know, so th they're trying to make her at peace, and they have to tell her who Supergirl is because she mimics. She'll mi mimic Kara's power without realizing it. So she gets in on the secret, um, and and then they oh yeah then they have a truth telling fish, and the truth telling fish has uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger tell Esme that they'll love her forever or something. That's her story. Um, then uh, Nixley sees Supergirl as her dad, and um, yeah, I mean there's that <laughs> like. Again, this episode is just kind of a mess. It, it it's it's all over the place. It's again, I fell asleep in the middle of it. Uh, so that says something. <laughs> um, I guess the big thing is is that Nixley uh, kidnaps the reporter, the guy who was cool in the last couple seasons, but hasn't really been doing much this season. Who is He's like a damsel in distress this season? Yeah, he really is. Um, so she kidnaps him and tells Supergirl. Supergirl's got to get. Then the other totem, and then Supergirl gets the other totem. Then Lena Luther uses her magical magic that she just magic this season and puts a curse on it to hurt Nixley when she touches it. But Nixley's not an idiot, so Nick Nixley almost kills the, the reporter anyway. And then actually, in the coolest part of the movie, the, the, the episode of my part, in my opinion, is the guy's going like, oh, oh, you're talking about me like I'm already dead. And he drops to the floor and sweep kicks her. And I was like, that was kind of cool. It was. I, I have uh, some a couple of weird knocks against this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, please, please jump in because I'm. You know, that's pretty much it. That's that's. that's and then, um, so what, what, how do we end? Nixley. Oh no, no, the ending is cool. Oh no, the, the ending yeah. is the coolest thing. You go for the. You do the ending because you okay. actually were really excited about this. Esme knows who Supergirl is immediately. That Supergirl is Kara immediately. She sees her immediately. Bang, Kara. As, she mimics her powers, I guess. She, I, I, uh, Esme know, is the more. smartest person on the show. It's Yeah, well, apparently. Apparently. Know, the, the, the things kids say, you know? So Supergirl throw, gets a bunch of nukes together, Russian nukes, and throws them at the sun. Jason, where have we seen this before? Oh, um, I don't know. Could it be Superman 4? The quest for <laughs> peace. When you are mimicking, I'm gonna bring him yeah. in because I know he's, he's. I can see him back here. Oh, here we go! Here we go! <laughs> Tim, you haven't watched Supergirl in, in, in a couple of years now, right? Two seasons. Gonna, all right, so I'm gonna just tell you right now where, like, I'm pretty sure you've heard how much we were hating this season, and it's been a chore to get through. It's finally Super Supergirl's having a really terrible season, dude. She gets a bunch of nukes and throws them into the sun. You're yeah. borrowing strategies from Superman for the Quest for Peace. Oh, what else are you supposed to do when you get a bunch of nukes? You throw them into the sun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that's logic. the only thing. How about you just logic. don't get a bunch of nukes and we just scrap that storyline altogether? All right. You know what they? You know what I'm they did? You know what they didn't borrow from Superman for though? John Cryer. Where is John Cryer this season? Oh, 
But the ending of the episode, Jason. You're right. So there is a suit that is sent to Nixley You're at right. the end with a note from her secret admirer. And you just tell right. him by the wording that's there and the look of the suit, that is definitely the Lexo suit in like yeah. different colors. So I think we're about to get John Cryer's Lex Which... Luthor jumping in this to save the end of the season. And hopefully it does. I'm really, because I want it to go out strong, guys. I, you have no idea how much I want this to go out strong. Yeah, it's, I, I really, really hope so too. But, um, yeah, when you're borrowing shit from Superman 4, things it's, aren't going. Things aren't going. No, well. no, just not, just not at all. Um, all right, well, we got some season premieres though this past Wednesday. We did, we did. Uh, not we that talk, we. What no. do we talk first? Legends. Ah, yes. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, fellas. What's up? I just yeah. wanted to pop, I, I wanted to pop in real quick to keep my streak alive because okay. I've been I've been on every show for two straight weeks. Wow. <laughs> Dude, we have Titans to go later. I know. Yeah. But right now, I have a pounding headache. I want to lay down. Uh, but I want okay. to pop in and keep the, keep the streak alive. If in the next, if my meds kick in in the next half hour, 40 minutes, whatever, I will come back in for probably Titans and Spider-Man. Awesome. I was about to say, Titans and Spider-Man, are, that's right up your alley, dude. I always want to talk about my one major problem with Spider-Man. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I can, one, just one major problem. I remember, right. I remember what it is. Since. You know exactly. I literally, I, I literally remember what it is since we saw the movie together in the theater. Exactly. I, <laughs> I don't, but I I think I know Tim's taste well enough that I could guess, and I will tell you if I am correct when you say it. I said I'll be watching. If you make it back, yeah. If 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 I'm still conscious, I, I'll pop back on. But right now, I just want to smash my face into a nice cold pillow. All right. Well, thanks. But the streak's done. Yeah. The streak is alive. The streak lives. Right, <laughs> that, that was that was your your Superman four moment brought to you by Tim. It was. That's right. <laughs> okay. Superman four is the worst thing that ever happened, probably to America. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's a bold statement. That is a very bold statement. Uh we can't so. wait to have you on when we talk about Superman four one day because you know it's gonna happen. Oh, it's, it's gonna have to. No, you know you have to get Grogan on. For that, oh, 100. percent Oh, yeah, 100%. absolutely. That's a guarantee. He's the only person in the world that will defend that movie. So, and look, we, we need someone to defend it. Somebody has to. There's no defending that movie. By the way, I don't know if you guys seen it on because it's on TikTok. It, they've been posting all the deleted scenes, and all the cut scenes, and all the ridiculous scenes, and all what Nuclear Man. Nuclear Man was supposed to look like a goblin. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I saw that. I've seen some of the footage from the deleted yeah, stuff. It is terrible. But it's like, wow, actually, we could have actually been worse. How? Yeah. I don't know. But, yes. yeah, fellas, do your stuff. I said, I'll see how I feel in about a half hour. So oh, I'll here we go. Hopefully, hopefully I can pop back in. So you Grogan, thanks for watching. Because yeah. yeah. Thanks, Grogan. All you have is mention Superman 4, and you'll find that if Grogan's he, watching. He now. wasn't watching. He wasn't watching. He got, like, an alert. He got an alert on his phone. Super, someone just fucking said Superman 4 somewhere. That's, right. That's an app that Grogan created just for himself that he tried to sell it. No one else wants it. And it's literally anytime anyone on the internet mentions Superman 4, it gives you an alert in real time. Or, or, or Nuclear Man. Or Nuclear Man. I'm, I'm in. He's in. Yeah. Grogan, you gotta you gotta get on the show for Superman four. So yeah, you're invited, my friend. He felt the disturbance in the Superman four force. <laughs> All right, fellas, I'll check back in a little while. All right, feel better, Tim. Great, right, Tim. Man. Feel better. Um, all right, so let's go. All let's right. talk about Legends. Legends is back, and I'm gonna say this was a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I miss look, I miss Mick. I miss Constantine. Their their present their absences were felt in this episode. But I think this was a really fun episode. 
The gang is stuck in the 1920s. How can I not love this episode? The 1920s is literally the place I'd time travel to if I was able to time travel. I would go and have drinks with F. Scott Fitzgerald and make passes at Zelda and probably get into a bar fight with Ernest Hemingway. That's how much I love the 20s. And now the legends are there. Yep. So, and they're I've stuck there. While, I was like... Yeah, no, they're stuck there because the wave rider has been destroyed by another wave rider, <laughs> question mark. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and so this whole episode is about them figuring out their next moves. And part of that is to find um, pretty much an indestructible black box with supplies that was in the wave rider. Uh, and it, this sheriff winds up getting it. And one of the funniest line in the episode, in my opinion, is Sarah Lance going to, um, uh, I always forget the guy's name, um, Steel. Uh, it, it's hey. time to use your superpower. He's like, oh, and she goes, no, 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 your other superpower. Yeah. You're, you're a white man in the 1920s. <laughs> I thought that was phenomenal. I was I was laughing out loud. It was, yeah, it's great. And, and, and Nate, that's his name. Nate just goes, yeah, like, yeah, all right, you're right. No, why not? <laughs> Um, and so he has this fun thing about it where, and I always forget that he's like a super smart history PhD. Yeah, they always drop it in once in a while. Once in a while. But like when they do, uh, and, and this happened, like, you know, American history is his thing. I remember from the Kennedy episode. Mm-hmm. So he pretends to be J. Edgar Hoover to get the black box. The black box has nothing in it, but uh, a manual from the Time Bureau Um Barod's uh, secret stash of gummies and uh, an IOU supplies from Mitch Rory <laughs> from from yeah Rory who went out to uh, to get beer at some point yeah and so but J Edgar Hoover is in town because the sheriff realizes that Mitch isn't J Edgar Hoover calls the FBI Hoover comes I actually really like the actor who played Hoover he was cool um, and so he starts poking around the legends have to pretend they're a circus. Which kind of goes nowhere. They dropped that really quickly. I thought that was actually kind of smart because of the way they explained it. When they yes. said it was like, well, in the Time Bureau, it was like, you need to pretend, if the jig is up and everyone's got you, pretend you're a circus because people will just accept weirdness from a circus. Yes. So your time travel thing's not busted. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, it made sense. That was yeah. Rule 42, right? It was it yes, Rule 42? Uh, yeah, like 42. Yeah. Somewhere in the 40s. I knew I should have written it down. Like that. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I love the fact that they they try to they pretend they're going to be in a circus. And then, like, Gary says the circus is tonight at, the, at our house. And he invites everyone. But then my thing is it kind of gets derailed with the J. Edgar Hoover stuff. And yeah. then it becomes, like, a different episode, which I also enjoy. Where they all... So uh, they ha- they leave Astra, who is hurt because she tried to use her magic to put the Wave Rider back. Spooner, who's with her mom, and and her mom. Those are the three. So we have pretty much uh, Sarah and Gary and um, Agent Sharp and Steel, and and I think that's it. And they are going cross country to New York to now find a guy who theoretically invented time travel in the 20s like i'm gonna tell you right now that's gonna be uh that's gonna be ryan matt ryan's new character yes oh yeah you're right you're right that's, i, didn't even I think am that. calling it right now that's gonna be ryan's new character yeah because he's gonna be on the show playing a new character not john constantine that's who it's gonna be you're absolutely right you're i'd be shocked if it wasn't right. uh i would be too now that you mentioned it um, um 
So what else am I missing? Okay, so they they, they oh so they they open a pocket dimension to hell. That's important. Yeah, because uh, Constantine gave her the um, gave um, uh, Zari Zari the key, and that's where they go. So she can escape to his little pocket dimension in hell, which I thought was pretty cool. And the big thing at the end, yes, we're, they we're, killed J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover T2s them, apparently. Like, so Steel is driving, and he is Steel, and they have a roadblock up, and Hoover and his guy, his guy's shooting a Tommy gun under the car, and Hoover's shooting a pistol, and of course it's just bouncing off of him. And he just plows through them. They, they jump to the side, and then all of a sudden you start hearing banging on the roof, and they look up, and Hoover's up there. So I'm just assuming he did like a T2000 thing. You oh, know? I can I can picture that. Um, and then he then they like they stop, and he goes flying off the car, and like with his last breath, he pulls his gun. And he goes, "I never miss twice," and he shoots Nate in the head, and Nate turns to steal and it ricochets and kills J Edgar Hoover, and then it breaks sharp. Yeah. Who just goes? I've been re- I've been reading true crime my entire life. This is my time to shine. Gary, eat Ho- J. Edgar Hoover, and I'm like, what you is happening? Dispose of the body. <laughs> dispose of the- and she keeps saying, "You got to dispose of the body." No, I know it would be dispose of that body. Eat that body. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought the episode was a lot of fun. I remember we talked yeah. about it where I was like. <clears throat> So so on the end of last season, yeah. which feels like it was last week, by the way. Yeah, it, um, well, essentially, it was like a, less than a month ago. Yeah, it really wasn't that long ago. But I'm not complaining because yeah. it, I, my guess is that a lot of these uh, shows on broadcast TV are going to try to get their shows back on track. Like all the CW shows usually come back in the fall. They take their Christmas break, then they come back for the second half of the season, and they wrap up in the spring, and then they're off all summer. So my guess is they're trying to get it back on track now. So we'll have that. We'll we'll have a true break from the CW verse, like completely probably. I think no, Star Girl is a summer show. I think that's okay. their only summer show. Okay. So that's what I'm guessing is that that's why they were able to bring this back so quickly. Um, yeah, and I, I think Sharp also mentioning that throughout the entire episode, small footsteps. You know, because they yes. kind of reminded us of something from time travel on this show by their own rules. That they don't really haven't mentioned in a while because shit's gone so crazy and batshit nuts for a while that you can't start just doing whatever the hell you want in the past and it's not going to affect the timeline. Yeah, they kind of got back to that in this episode and I and I appreciated that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I did. I did too. I, I love by the way that they robbed the bank for ninety three dollars and seven cents or something, which exactly is exactly enough to get them to New York. Exactly, and, it, and it, she's like that, and she says that like, well, you said little steps, little steps. And then she's yeah. writing her IOU book. Like, I love that character, and I think that actress brings so much to that role. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's really good. I like the fact <coughs> that the show. I don't. I don't. I'm not complaining that they went to aliens and magic for a while and things like that in different seasons. And I kind of like the fact where it, we'll see where it goes, but I, I appreciate that they're bringing it back to time travel. Me too. Like that's too. what Legends of Tomorrow was supposed to, is, is supposed to be about. But I, I, I get it. You got to change it up a couple of seasons because you can't do it every single year. Right, right. And and you, look, you, you needed the magic season to bring Constantine in because mm-hmm. I remember that season. That's that's exactly why he comes. Yeah. Um, the space season, yeah, it, it was fine. probably the it was fine. It was probably the weakest season, but it was fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm glad that they're back to time travel. I'm kind of excited to see them stuck in one era for a little bit. I hope it's not the whole season, but yeah, I me think too. It's, 
kind of cool too. that they're going to spend some time in this era and do some things. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, but as always, I'm, I'm along for the ride. This is a fun show and kind of what, whatever they give us, I usually enjoy. Yeah, and I like, and I agree. I, I like the fact that they're stuck in a certain time. They don't have a time machine because they've tried everything in this episode. Yes. Oh, to yeah. Try yeah. To, to try to get to jump time again. But now it's like, all right, we're going to do time travel. You're stuck in a period and you're going to be stuck there for a little while. And that's not something they've ever done in this show. No, that would no, be that's, new. And and I, I respect this the show a lot because it always every year it tries something new. It doesn't always succeed. Yeah. But every year it tries something new, and you have to respect that because at least it's still trying. It's not look, it's it's not just going, okay, well, we're in our what is it, sixth season, seventh season? Seven. We're in our seventh season. Let's just who cares? Let's just give, give them whatever. Let's supergirl it. Like, you know, which is pretty much what I feel supergirl is doing this season. Um oh, or the Flash did last season, right? So, like, it's still trying. It's still trying to reinvent itself. And and I, whether this works out or not, I respect that it's trying something new in its seventh season. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, well, let's get into other things that are trying something new, at least that I, my, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Batman, yeah. season three, episode one. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I don't think we're here to bash Batwoman this time. No, I think it's I, time I... for some props. I have good things to say. I, I have actually mostly good things to say. I don't think I have many dings for this episode. No, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I really don't. And one of the reasons that might be why they kind of have us in now, and I, and I think they had us in at the end of last season too, um, I felt it was a bit of a tonal shift, which I was reading an article about, and mm -hmm. I think that they're, the writers were talking about that, that they were going to try a tonal shift this season. Um, the, the episode picks up. With Batwoman and Batwing, since he hasn't on the show, he doesn't officially have the title, but we know he is. Right. Um, they're chasing down the Batman trophies, Bruce's Batman tro uh, trophies from the last season that got spread out all over it. It was little yeah. poison ivy. There was, you know, all the stuff from the Mad Hatter, stuff we haven't seen. We saw on penguin umbrellas down the river and stuff like that. So they're chasing them down because they're going to be, you know, they're. They, falling into the wrong hands, they could be pretty dangerous. Um, this episode introduces a lot of stuff. We get uh, a Renee Montoya. Yeah, which I, you know I was all in for. I love that character from the animated series. Yeah, so she's introduced now. I know it's the same actress that played her on Gotham, once I had read, because somebody tapped out on Gotham after season one. Yeah, uh, me too. But, but they're not, they're, they've been very clear in many articles that it is not a continuation, totally new. Yeah, she's like just good in the role. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is rare that you ever see that carried over, but it's fine because guess yeah. what? People probably want to forget Gotham anyway. So. Yeah. And and look, I've, I didn't know she was on Gotham until you just said it. And I don't care because I, I actually really liked her performance in this. I thought she was a perfect choice for this character. So it makes sense to me that someone saw her do this character and went, that's who we're getting to do this character again. Yeah, I like it's it. J it's like J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man. Yep, I, I agree. Um, so she's on the case. Pretty much her whole thing now is to help them get tracked down. Because they, they keep saying, by the way, that it was like 20 years ago when a lot of this, a lot of Batman stuff happened. Yeah, I don't really, I'm not sure about the timing. Because Batman looks like he's in his 30s. Like the guy who yeah. was done up as Batman, maybe uh, like at pushing it early 40s. Well, remember though, 
Alfred's dead in in this any any uh right. universe. Lucius Fox is dead. They've already yes. he's already had time with them. A lot of the criminals kind of seem like they've aged out a little bit. So I don't know, but I agree that the look but, of the actual Bruce Wayne is what throws me off with that. Th that's it. Like when you see that actor, he looks like he's 30, 35. You mean to yeah. tell me he was doing this when he was 15? Get the frick out of here, you know? Yeah. But that's like having stuff. That, you're right, exactly. But like, if, if you ignore the fact that we saw what he looked like, and and yeah. they've had an actor playing him, and it, he doesn't look old enough to be in like you know pretty much a Ben Affleck Batman is what what they're trying to paint us to have right like yeah and the, the way they the talked about career. it yeah and that's how they've talked about him a lot so right. yeah I think that's the only thing that doesn't sync up with that but I we thought we were we were both under the impression we were getting like the Mad Hatter yes but we find out it's just someone who's um, mimicking the bad ha uh, Mad Hatter because he's pretty much an Alice obsessed fan. That comes across, and he buys it on eBay, essentially. Which I liked. Which yeah, which I, liked. I thought was cool, because people were like, hey, they're finding these things and selling them on eBay. Screw it. Right. Let's go ahead. People are going to want this shit. He and, gets and, a hold of the hat, and then, you know, he starts going crazy, because he was an Alice yeah. super fan. And use it, his whole thing is to almost, like, impress Alice and write her letters as she, if he's Papa Crow. I'll use the term. Yeah, Papa Crow. Because <laughs> we know Papa Crow's done. Yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, but Alice is yeah, no, I agree. There's no need for him anymore. Yeah. But Alice is convinced that that is Papa Crow writing to her, but it really is the Alice uh, Alice superfan posing as the new Mad Hatter. Right. And his whole thing is to correct the medical system, essentially. Which know, I liked. Like, there, there's yes. that scene in the, the when, you, when he first used his powers. Um, and I'll talk about my, when we get to the end, I'll talk about my overall thoughts on the Mad Hatter, th this version of the Mad Hatter. Mm -hmm. But when he when he first realizes he gets his powers and he starts making them say, um, Alice is just a, a victim of a terrible, like, medical system or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, so I thought I, it was cool. I thought it was clever. Yeah, I thought it was clever, too. Like, I actually know. So if you don't mind, I'll talk about my, my thoughts about the Mad no, Hatter. No, go with it. Talk about it. Let's so, go. Um, I, I went through it up and down. So I, I liked the look of him, but I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going on with him buying the hat. And to be honest, I was watching my son too, so it wasn't I couldn't watch this one as closely as I watched Legends. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I was watching it. I'm like, oh, he gets the hat, and I'm like, oh wait. So and then I found he was an Alice sycophant, and I'm like, oh wait, are they changing his origin? But as soon as they said. Yeah, he's not Jervis Tetch. Jervis Tetch was this. This yeah. is the comics book comic book accurate thing. I went, okay, love the take. Actually, like, and I I did. He's kind of like a a, a dandy obsessed with Alice, you know. Uh, and there are people who get obsessed with insane criminals, right? Yeah. Um, and so this is what it looks like in the Gotham world. I bought that he got the hat because he seems like the kind of guy who would buy a hat on eBay who that looked like that. The the only thing I think they could have done better with that is I think his the way he gets his power seems too convenient. Like I think there needed to be I don't know maybe just something else. But now I'm nitpicking because yeah. th the fact was this was a good episode and I can just kind of go hey if they tweak this this and this it would have been better. But I, but overall I really dug where they went with this with the Mad Hatter and I'm really really happy. I thought the Mad Hatter was going to be like a, a seasonal arc thing. But the seasonal arc they're setting us up for kind of makes me more excited than that did. Exactly. And I, I, that's what I was going to get to in, in, in a minute. Um, so pretty. the scene I thought that was pretty bonkers, though, is 
not not in a bad way. It was it was actually pretty. It was crazy that the Mad Hatter, this new Mad Hatter, essentially has um, um, med student. Yeah, I forget her. I I'm terrible with everyone's names, but it's Papa Crow's um stepdaughter. She's she's graduating from medical school. Pretty much has her go ahead and start operating on her professor. Yeah. Right. And starts pretty much taking him apart little by little to kill him slowly. Yeah. That's pretty insane. That was insane. And I got to admit that the way they did the pacing for that scene was so good. Yeah, really Because was. she goes up there and you, you could tell something's wrong, right? And mm-hmm. then she starts talking and she doesn't go full crazy yet. Like, it sounds like, oh, okay, what, what is this? This Okay, this isn't her speech. but And then it goes crazier and crazier and crazier. And at some point you just realize, oh, wait, right, he's talking through her. But I just thought it was done very well because it wasn't – it's not like she came out and went, ah, ha, ha, crazy, crazy, crazy. No. Like, I didn't realize that he was talking through her at first. I should have because I, I saw that he accosted her in the last scene. But as I said, I wasn't yeah. really paying as much attention as I should have. But again, the pacing I thought really worked on that. Yeah, so they figure the only way to stop, you know, to save this dude before he dies, because he's having his insides ripped out piece by piece in front of an entire audience, by the way, yeah, who is all like mind warped by the the Mad Hatter, is to get the one person who'll listen to, and that's Alice, who's in custody, and Batwoman ends up going ahead and breaking her out of custody just to stop him. And I thought that was actually pretty awesome. And so Alice pretty Alice stops him. Right from doing that, essentially stabbing him and not killing him because she does say yeah. he's not dead. At, at, at she does husband. stabs him with like the switchblade. It's, that's it's like a pen. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it's is it her switchblade? Because it's like it could, it even okay. But yeah, yeah he it, it wasn't a fatal thing, and he no. he kind of goes, "Oh, you are as bad as they say you are." <laughs> so the other th- the other two things that we're dealing with in the episode is uh, Ryan is trying to move on from the knowledge at the end last season's finale that Alice drops on her a bomb at the end where it's like, Oh, your mother's still alive. Your birth mother never died. They haven't disclosed how she has this information just yet, but it's what we find out in this episode. It's true. Yeah. Like through some digging, they find out that her mother did not die at birth and her mother is Robin Gibbons, who we knew was joining the cast, but that's who it's going to be. And look, she seems to be like an entrepreneur, like yeah. a, a wealthy person and stuff like that. So, but we don't get to see a lot of her. It's a very small scene at the end. Uh, but the ending scene, though, is Montoya pretty much flipping the bat signal. Batwoman shows up, and Alice is there. And is like, listen, I need help cracking down, uh, getting these trophies together. This is my thing. I'm gonna. I have Alice pretty much on a work release. You know, like so assigned to you to pretty much be your partner because we need crazy to try to kind of catch crazy over here and that's what she goes with and i think that's an interesting storyline to set up for the season yeah because it also leads up to something that me and you were i think why the hook that got us in now and i think it's a smart move in the show is there we're gonna end up seeing a lot of batman villains and it's gonna start feeling a little bit more like gotham city as we're familiar with it Yes. And but also I do like the fact that these are not going to be the exact the, the exact villains. They're going to be copycats. They're going to be people who have come across some form of technology that gives them a boost. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, and and let's be it lets them sort of mimic the villain. And I think that's that's the right way to go because it frees them up to kind of do whatever they want and not piss off the fans. 
right? I, I agree. Because I was, as a fan, I was pissed off when I thought this was Jervis Tetch. And the second they told me it wasn't, that's fine. It's good with it. Yeah. So I think they're going the right way. And also I think it fixes a major problem you and I had with the show last season was it had nowhere to go. It had no aim. It had no direction. It was just Kate Kane, Kate Kane. And then you get to that and who cares? And, and it only started to pick up when the Black, Black Mask shows up, which is when we start getting sort of a story arc. But to set us up this season with, okay, the story arc is you are going to have to work with the person you hate the most in the world who's also a villain and will stab you in the back. Literally. Or I'll put literally, or I'll put you in prison because I know who you are because that's how she gets her gets Robin to agree to this. Yeah, that's her name, right, Robin? No, Ryan, 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 Ryan. Ryan. I was oh, Robin Gibbons. I was thinking, okay, um, and uh, and then pretty much it's like okay, so every episode they're going to be hunting one of these artifacts, which I think is a cool hook. It's a cool way to explore. You can do episodic stories under the the spectrum of this hook. Yeah. And I think this was a good choice uh, for the show. Yeah, I thought there was some cool name drops. We do get a very quick Kate Kane name drop, but it's which kind of rushed aside, which is fine. No, no, it's, it wasn't heavy-handed or anything yeah. like that. Um, Montoya also mentions, like, you know, she's pleading with the new mayor, or is it the commissioner? Like, oh, it's the commissioner. Like, man, if you don't, we don't stop this quick, you're going to get – this is going to start looking like Jim Gordon's Gotham, essentially. Where yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, to me, it felt like, oh, shit. We're gonna get like Gotham is gonna be like Gotham now, right? And right. And I, I was excited about it. And that's the thing we got the GCPD back now, like as the GCPD as we know it, not like yes. weird racist Irish cops, like exactly. which is kind of what they were portraying the GCPD as last season. Yeah, it was, um, it was goofy. It was really weird, and the crows are gone, and that makes it so. I think the structural changes they've made to the show. I think look, I I, I am. I have good feelings about this season. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, and I'm. What you know? What I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping that they explore all these different new versions of villains. But Poison Ivy, which is the one they're building up to, I yeah. hope that's going to be the OG Poison Ivy. I hope so too. I agree with you. I know this week because uh, we're getting a Killer Croc. Oh, I know we're okay. getting that. And uh, right. they've had pictures. If you check our uh, Granny's PhD Facebook group, I did post an article that was showing a picture of him. Uh, he looks better than the Suicide Squad Killer Croc. Yeah. Actually, he actually looks pretty good. All right. I'm excited. Again, This the, the, the only thing I can ding this episode for is this. Batman wouldn't have needed to break Alice out. Agreed. To, to stop that. But, but I he, think it's fine to say that she's she's still – she seems more confident being Batwoman yes. now. But again, like to, to have her accomplish things that a seasoned Batman was able to accomplish already in Absolutely. such a short time, that wouldn't have worked for me. That was I, I a agree with you. Reaching, and that's the thing is, I watched this because my my note to myself was, do they really need Alice to stop the Hatter? Like, really? Because I I didn't I don't think they did, but yeah, they are not Batman. Right, she was not trained by Batman. Like nope. you know, she never met Batman. She's kind of doing this on her own. She just has the suit, um, and I can see her thinking that that's the only way. And yeah. so, I guess it's not—it's not even a ding. It's just Batman could have done it better, but Batman could do anything better than, any than anyone. <laughs> Batman <laughs> could teach my English class better than I can. All right, and for me to say that—that's saying a lot. <laughs> this is true. Um, 
So I, I want before we move on, there's one thing I wanted to mention. And I'm going to throw out a theory that just popped into my head while I was watching the episode. I want to get your thoughts on it. I, I promise you, All this right. is not read anywhere or anything like that. Okay. They mentioned Ryan's father was never like is being hidden, like it's almost a secret. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we see that her mother is seems to be an entrepreneur type, like you know, business businesswoman and everything. And I think they still have this overall thing where you need to address Bruce Wayne's disappearance overall, which still has not been addressed, and I don't know mm-hmm. how much we're ever going to get of it. Um, and the other thing is, we have to address why the heck P- Wayne Enterprises is still going on, and Bruce Wayne is just vanished. Yeah, I am yeah. going to say this right now. I'm going to throw it out there as a random guess that hit me. Oh, I see they're going to say, "Oh yeah, they're going to say." Ryan's a pretty much Ryan's father is Bruce Wayne. Yep, I I, I knew that's where you were going with this. <laughs> um, Do you think it's a complete? I know it's wild. No pun intended. You it, know what? I'm gonna. I will. I let me see the tone of this season as we get a couple of episodes in, and then I, mm-hmm. I'll weigh in on that in a couple of episodes. Because okay. last season, I'd have been like. Oh, yeah, fucking absolutely. Bruce Wayne's her father. Alfred is part of their, like, anything that happened last season. But this episode, as you said before, was tonally consistent, which the episodes last season were not. So if that continues in this tone, then I don't know if this tone would go for that. Like, because that's kind of cheesy. That, like, you think it's completely cheesy though? Because I think it's kind of cheesy. Like, this random person who gets the bat suit accidentally because she was homeless and Kate Kane is gone. Oh, yeah, you're Batman's son, a daughter. It's like, I, I, that would have been that would be too reaching for me. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this I don't know how I feel about this. It popped into my head. And I was almost waiting for it to be mentioned in this episode. I could be completely wrong. Oh, but I, I admit it's it's a little out there. But I again, like the the show in the past, I think would go there. I just don't know if it's willing to go there still. I think it addresses a couple of issues though. It addresses the Wayne Enterprises issue and why is no one questioning why Ryan Wilder and other people are in Wayne Enterprises. Well, I think they did address that. That's um, I, now I forget his real name, but that Luke way. Fox, Luke yeah. Fox inherited all of this. No, but Luke Fox is still employed by the like, I what I how I read it f- from the from that character and the little I saw the first season mm-hmm. is that Luke Fox is still employed there, and his job is to make sure people don't fuck with the Batcave. Like Bruce Wayne left oh, him a. Yeah, yeah, no, that I got from him. You know, so, so like overall thing. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that everyone's coming and going and everything, I, I get that. But like, you know, I I, I think that it, it's easily explained by like a couple pieces of dialogue. Like, you know, okay. Bruce was paranoid. I was the only one he trusted, so I'm the only one who can get up here. You know, something like that. Like, um, but it would also like it. It is a way to address that. It is a way to address how this is still going on and. Uh, you know, because they, they don't. I mean, we can assume that there are other people who are running the corporation, but then, as yes. you say, why do they have all this unlimited access? Yeah, it, it was just a wild thought. Listen, it could be way off. We can find no, out her they... father is, is is nobody of comic book importance, and it's okay. It's, it's fine. Maybe we'll never get a name, and this this is just me throwing it out in the wind. Maybe we'll find out it's no one of comic book importance, and then we'll find out it's Emperor Palpatine. 
Or Mephisto. Or Mephisto. Uh oh, I said the word. No, no. I said the word. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. On that note, let's move on from that one right here. Because that's pretty much nothing to be said after that. Yeah, that's it. Mephisto, Mephisto ends us all. Uh, Doom Patrol, season three, episode six. Uh, what a great episode. I'm going to say that right now. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it's a Rita-centric episode, and yes. I, I normally am not... I don't dislike that character. I just normally love that character, but I kind of love that character this episode. Mm -hmm. um, starts off with her using the time machine, which it just dawned on me. You travel through time by digging through the earth? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Listen, for, for Doom Patrol, whatever. Whatever, Doom Patrol makes we, its own We rules. had wear asses. Right, exactly. Ago, so exactly. Just, just roll with it. It makes its own rules. Um, it, but it starts with her traveling, and it, it's this beautiful shot where she starts crying, and the tears are flowing upwards because of the, the gravity or whatever, the, her position. Um, and she lands in 1917, and she has no memory. For whatever reason, her memory is erased. Yeah. Um, and then she's taken to the to the Bureau of Normalcy, which is a big villain from the last couple of seasons, right? They're, they're the people who were trying to kill um, the street, right? Yes, they're trying to kill Danny the street, yeah. Danny the street, yeah. Um, and so they take her and pretty much enslave her because she's a meta. Yeah, that's and, what they do to metas, apparently. Yeah, they make them like they they're second class citizens who are forced to work in place. They're they're either sent to the front, wherever the hell that is, as weapons, yeah. or they're kept to just do menial labor. Um, and she uh she's taken, but then we see this weird, and we only see them this this one part, but there's a gorilla chauffeur and a brain, the brain. in a and yeah, a brain and is it the brain? Is that what it's called? No, the brain. It's the Brotherhood of Evil. Oh yeah, the Brotherhood. Remember, of, they oh, yeah, mentioned them a couple of times. Yeah. Yes, the Brotherhood of Evil. That's right. I forgot that we saw these guys before. Um, so it's the Brotherhood of Evil, and uh, they're taking sketches of the um, of the time machine. And I just the brain goes. I have an idea. Yeah. yeah, they're going to reverse engineer it, and just the banter, the short banter between these two. Like this will help us get. This will help me in my plans for world domination. And the go the the chauffeur is like our plans. Like, and it's it's a it's a gorilla. Yes, in a suit. <laughs> in a suit. In a chauffeur suit. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming this is we're going to find out exactly why the the Legion of Evil or whatever put a hit on Rita Far that happens in the second episode i think we're going to find out why that happens the course of this season yeah uh all right and then so all right so then she runs in from laura demille who's the time traveler who brought the machine to her in the first place and she works for the 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 bureau of normalcy yeah. and she is a recruiter who actually loves metas and and it is a meta right yeah she's a shape-shifting meta yeah which you find out like like I did, we know this before. Did I just forget this? No, that was just revealed. Okay, because you find out when she walks up and changes herself, and I was like, oh. "Did I did I miss something?" <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's interesting that she and and you see that Laura when she comes to the future, she's looking to hunt down the uh, sisterhood of, of Dada. And in this time, in 1917, she's part of them. She starts it. She like her and the metas, the other metas in the place like live by these tenets and these rules mm -hmm. uh or these beliefs rather um 
Cliff is more of an asshole than normal, and he gets addicted to pop-up ads. Yes, he's constantly clicking on pop-up ads. Yeah. He has a, a girl with a camera that's on a camera that's keeping him company that he has to keep paying. And then essentially starts selling everyone's shit. Yes. Because someone's like, oh, they mentioned Cyborg and all his wacky roommates. He's just selling it's, Cyborg sneakers and clothes and, and, and pictures of Rita Farr, like headshots. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Like Cliff, Cliff goes off a, a cliff for me, pun intended. Like I usually like Cliff. I was like, "Oh, he's too much of an asshole for me." The <laughs> like, oh, way he tells off Cyborg when Cyborg goes to ask him for like real life advice, right? That like, heartfelt advice. Yeah, he's like, telling him basically like, "Fuck off, go find yeah. someone who actually fucking cares." He actually, yeah, he actually says that because he's like, "What are you complaining about? You could bang anyone." And yeah. Cyborg's like, "It's not about who you can bang." And Cliff's like, yeah, I said no superhero ever. Like, so that, and, and that's their conversation. Yeah. He's just a super asshole this, uh, this episode. Um, Listen, at the heart of him, Cliff is an asshole. He is. I mean, he, he is, is an asshole. I guess I just forget that. But he, yeah. is, cause he's, because he's Brendan Fraser, and I have so much goodwill toward Brendan Fraser. Which is why I love his casting in this. I and do, hearing I him do like curse the way he does because oh it's Brendan God. Fraser, I love yep. it. It's so against character. It's amazing, yeah. It's amazing to see, and I, I, I again, I, it's, it's, as you said, it's perfect casting. Yeah. Um. All right. So let me jump ahead. So. Uh, all right. So all right, I just want to mention this. So there's a whole bunch of like metas that Rita becomes friends with, and one of them is a guy with a canary for a heart. Yes. Who can turn invisible? It's weird. Like. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen on this show, and that's saying something. He's like, yeah, when I was in whatever town, I traded my heart for a canary. And then he takes his shirt off, and you just see an empty chest cavity with a birdcage door, and he opens it, and a canary flies in. Yep. But it's it's Doom Patrol. You just go with it. I love it. I love the weirdness of it. I do, too. I do, too. I'm not complaining. These are all good things. Um, They do a 1917 Vogue video to Poker Face, which I enjoyed. Yes. That was almost going to be our song if we weren't doing Spider-Man this week. I, I could see that. That's I could absolutely see that. Um, we talked about... Oh, and then Crazy Jane has, I think, a really cool uh, storyline that has nothing to do with anyone else, where the actual personality, not the alters, yeah. uh, the little girl goes up and, like, buys sneakers and rides a bike, and Crazy Jane, the alter, is the one who lets her do it, and there are other alters who are pissed at her. Um, and there's just a nice moment where, like, a stranger, she almost hits a stranger with her bike, and the guy stops, and Crazy Jane's like, no, don't talk to him, he's a stranger, just keep going. And he's just like, oh, just be careful, you know, right, have a good day. And and I don't know, I, I really kind of like that, I like the fact that they're exploring the personality, not the alters in this yeah, season. I like that. So I really enjoyed that. Um, my question, Laura is a shapeshifter. Uh the, oh, they start okay. Bendy, as they call Rita Far in this one, uh, starts to sit in with all the other metas, which I thought was really cool. Because every time one of the metas sits with the agents, the agents look at them and discuss, get up and move to another table. So they all start to sit at different tables, and then they start partying. And then the Japanese woman turns everyone's suits into clown outfits, and they just go batshit crazy, and they get in trouble for it. Um, Cyborg, Cyborg wants synthetic skin. That's going to come in somewhere. Yeah, uh, he's questioning nice... himself a lot. Yeah, no, 
he is absolutely and i think i just say it's going to come in somewhere because i think this they're setting up to explore this later yeah because there's not a lot of it here there's a no, no, little no. bit um we get a little bit with matt bomer's son who was hurt uh, in the last episode and find that he works for the bureau of normalcy he does it despite his father pretty much and they have a he has a great monologue i forget i forget in that bandage what a good actor matt bomer is because he gives this great monologue about how you know i was there in the beginning as your dad you can't take that from me i left to protect you and maybe that wasn't the right thing to do but i've forgiven myself and if you can't forgive me i understand but then i need you to leave like pretty much is the monologue and i thought it was yeah. it's a really powerful monologue yeah, his his son's pretty pissed at him, but I feel he gets a lot of closure. I do too. Something. I do too. Yeah, because that was something big that was last season too, and yeah, his son hates him. And again, I understand that. Like, yeah, he views his father abandoning him. His brother killed himself. His mother went insane. He blames his dad. I get that. So that I think that's why that that storyline interests me so much because it's very believable. Um, and then we end with Piffle Puffle on fire. And Laura DeMille having three voices in her head sort of start giving her information. And I guess this is how the sisterhood of Dada will become powerful or dangerous. Or this is what's going to set her on her quest, I guess, that brings her through time. Well, that was current day. Oh, that was current day? I thought that uh, was... No, I read it as it was current day. I mean, let's Oh, okay, maybe I mistook it then. They, I hate her. Was... they hate her current day. They despise her in the current day. They do, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, maybe. Okay, I, I, I mistook that then. I thought that was in the past. But then that's setting up. Then, yeah, they're coming for her. They're definitely, uh, there's going to be some sort of altercation between them. Yeah, curious, curious to see how they get down that. I want to know exactly what happened. Because when we see them in this episode, and pretty much the Sisterhood of Dada origin story, they're all like lovey-dovey and all happy and, and everything like that. Something pretty damn bad happened because in the past, in episode five, whenever they're, she's mentioned, they they get furious. They're so angry. And then you see that she was friends with them and, and she was part of them. So yeah, I want to know I want to know what happens. I want to know what, what where the disconnect happens. And mm-hmm. Because obviously she's hunting them for a reason and they have a reason to hate her. And I'm kind of curious who's in the right because I I don't know yet. No, it's it's pretty out there. All right, uh, then let's jump into the other HBO Max show from DC. That's uh, Titans season three, episode twelve. Uh, yeah, this is the episode right before we get to the finale uh, next week. So, oh no, yeah, no, it's this, almost over. It's almost over. Titans Damn. is almost done. Um, yeah, that's so sad. I I was really enjoying this. No, I'm I'm loving it, and I'm. Dying to see how the heck this is gonna wrap up. Um, so in this episode, we pretty much get the the cliffhanger from last week where Nightwing is killed. Uh, I mean, essentially, uh, a bunch of bats show up, and Raven and Gar find Nightwing's dead body, and Gar starts turning into a bat. Which I was like, is he gonna be like man bat or something? Like I that? thought that too. He, yeah, he like, turned really? He turned into a bat like that was his size for yeah. like a like a second or two, and then he yeah, turned into a, a bat. But I looked at it and I was, oh my god, are they are they going man bat? I because I I kind of would have been in for it. I would have yeah. been in for it. <laughs> I kind I kind of would have been, but I would assume that this Batman is probably faced man bat already. And I I'm like sure this. I'm sure. But like, look, if man bat shows up on Titans, I'm in for it. I'm just I'm going on record to say absolutely. That. Uh, so then they take take Nightwing's body to the Lazarus Pit. 
that we know that they found and they used, you know, not him, but you know, was used to bring Jason back to life after the Joker killed him. Um, quick funny thing I thought, though, when they show Gar again by the Lazarus pit, his jeans. It's like the Hulk. Just magic oh. jeans just show up. You know, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's like naked, but it's like, whatever. I get why it's happening, but yeah, I always it's... find that to be funny. It's one of those things that you just have to hand wave. But you're oh, right, it is funny. Like I, I, I was thinking about the Hulk. Like, how come he always has purple pants when he changes? Like, why does like why does the pan why do the pants change? Same thing why the lizard has the lab coat every single time, I guess. I don't know. No, no, but I, look, I'm gonna argue that the lizard decides to put that lab coat on every single time. Like the lizard makes a conscious that he turns to the lizard and he goes, Before I criminal. Ugh. All right, now it's time for crime. You know what I mean? I, I that's what I think happens. Now I know Tim's head's really hurting because he would have jumped on for lizard because it drives him kinda, off the wall. I was kind of baiting Tim there. I was hoping he'd come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so when we see Crane, Crane's in the back cave, literally gone off the deep end now because oh he has God. his huge hook that he found apparently, and he's dragging on like the blade that's there, and he's swinging that thing around the back cave. And then Jason sees him and is like, listen, Nightwing's dead. But, and he's like, all right, great. What do you want, a cookie? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. he literally tells him that. Yeah. Again, tells I, him that. I love this version of the Scarecrow so much. And yeah, he is going out of his mind. Yeah, he's still got the slashes all over his face. But he tells Jason straight up, dude, I promise to kill everyone. Yeah. I kill all of Gotham. Yeah. He's not going to save shit now. And then he attacks him. And Jason's like, all right, this dude's fucking nuts. Like, I, this is not what I thought it was. I backed the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, I need to get out of here. And pretty much, like, ditches out then. And he's like, all right, I, I got to go find out what's going on here. Um, but then Crane's insanity continues because then we find out that he sends one of his lackeys in to screw with Bar uh, Barbara Gordon, who's in prison. And he's pretty much going through the security camera to talk shit to her. Tells yeah, her Nightwing's on, dead. On a regular basis, apparently. Yeah, like on a daily basis, he talks shit to Barbara Gordon. In her cell. Yeah, and I, I think it's insane. Like, he's the, he got such a grip on the, the police department. I mean, look, it's Gotham, so I don't think it's out. It's not insane where it couldn't happen. I'm just no. like, wow, he got a far grip very quickly. And I guess, like, this is why he's so dangerous. They've been talking about why this Scarecrow is so dangerous for episodes. Like mm -hmm. Batman only beat him with Oracle, you know? Um, so this is it. This is why. This guy knows how to get shit done. And when he gets to a certain point, he goes nuts. This may be crazier than he's ever been. I agree. I agree. I mean, so so to the information that we have. Um, we got a quick comment here. Let's let's jump in here. Our boy Roy Rodriguez in here. I wonder what Bruce's plot is. And why he tried to commit suicide. We've been wondering that too for a little yeah. while. We haven't seen that followed up in a bit. We know Donna Troy saved him, and that was pretty much it. And I'm assuming we're going to see him in the finale next week. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, he's been a big part of this season. He kind of has to be. Like it, it won't yeah. feel right. I won't feel closure with this Jason Todd stuff as Red Hood unless there's a scene between him and Bruce. So I, I hope that pays off, Roy. I really do. I hope that pays off this next episode. Yeah. So. I love the scene, by the way, like during this whole scene where he's talking shit to Barbara Gordon, he goes in and, and cuts off the pizza guy's hand because that body's still there. Yeah, and he's like, well, God. I lost my right hand guy, but I got a guy. I got a right hand. So <laughs> totally off the deep end, man. 
Oh my god! I just and again, this actor. I just I say it every week, but this actor is so good as a scarecrow. Um, awesome. I, like I love him, and again, I've known him from other things, but this is he. This is now my favorite performance of his. Yeah, he's he is the on screen live action scarecrow yeah. in a Jonathan Crane for me. Um, yeah. Me so too. to follow up with with that storyline, uh, Barbara Gordon escapes from her cell later in the episode. Beats the crap out of that dude who was like uh, screwing with her previously. That I thought was great. Completely kicks too. his ass. Uh, and then she at the end towards the end of the episode, she tries to reactivate Oracle because she's like, "All right, how the hell did Bruce stop him? I got this. Is what we need now." Which I so th I, I think it's going to come back online. Like, there's no yeah. way that there was a way to destroy Oracle for good. I agree. I agree. Maybe that's where Bruce comes into play. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, so another interesting storyline we get here. So when, when Dick Grayson is thrown into the Lazarus pit, which I, by the way, I love the visual, the way that they present the Lazarus pit. Yeah, me too. He goes through this whole mental journey in the Lazarus pit and it, it is wild. A lot yeah. of it is pushed along by, I guess, some form in his mind of Scarecrow, kind of like pushing him along. Um, but then there's a visual where, like, I mean, so this version of Jonathan Crane is talking shit to him, pretty much telling him, you were always jealous of Dick. I mean, of Jason, you wanted him dead and all this other stuff. And he says a term where he's like, the Joker was pretty much just a weapon in your hand. Yes. He looks at himself. He is dressed as the Joker mm -hmm. with the friggin' tire iron right there in his hand. And Jason is laying on the floor pleading for his life. He starts beating him to death. Mm -hmm. pretty much as it happened. And that visual with the blood on his face and everything I thought was tremendous. Oh, no, it was fantastic. And um, looking like him in the suit and then him looking, there's a when he sees uh, finally what he's doing, he goes, no, this is not what I want. Um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the visuals are great on that. And I think the, the symbolism in this scene is amazing. Like, because you've got Crane, who is the the epitome of fear, right? And so he, like, it just in general, and he's representing Dick's, like, guilt and his fear that he did this to Jason. He blames himself for what happened. And, you know, part of it is because when the Scarecrow says to him, he took your place, he took your father, like, you know, I think, yeah, Dick has those feelings. Like, not yeah. to the extent where he wants to kill Jason Todd, but he had those feelings. He was resentful that that he lost the spot with Batman, even though he left. Right? It's like when you when you become an adult and you leave home, you still you know if you have a relationship with your parents, you still want to keep that relationship, but you also want your independence. And and I, and so like he's going through this, like he really does feel that he might be at fault with this, and that it might be his fault. And and it, they go back to last season where Jason falls, and and that whole thing with Deathstroke kind of is his fault. So. He's yeah, and blaming death and everything else. Yeah, they really right. pile it on. Right, exactly. Um, and I, and so that's why I think like the the symbolism going in there. Like I don't think that was really the scarecrow in his brain. That was just the his fear that he actually did a manifestation of, of yes. like a it, yeah, just a visual thing. Right, exactly. Um, and I, I think it was perfect. Yeah, and Roy brings up a good point. Just pretty much what we were discussing. Uh, yeah, it's crazy how you reflect on Dick's character from past season. Now, Scarecrow kind of mm -hmm. has a point. Yeah, no, he's not lying. No. But again, like Jason had said, not to the point like I want to beat him with a tire iron and kill him, but I'm sure a lot of those are there. And you can tell the way Dick reacts 
to that, he's kind of like, yeah, I guess. I mean, shit, like, how the hell did you kind of know some of this stuff and things like that? And this is obviously all in Dick's mind, so that's pretty much why he's, like, pushing yeah. it forward. So it makes sense there. Um, yeah, but then, like you said, he's like, this is not what I wanted. But then he has the thing where he confronts his father in the woods. And he kind of apologizes to him and says, I kind of lost myself and, and things of that nature. Um, and then I think it, it transitions very uh, interestingly to what could be Dick's daughter. And who's there, she's saying, you know, dad and everything like that. He's smiling. He's very happy and stuff like that. Is that his daughter with, like, Starfire? Or something like that? Along the line? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I would... I mean, it, it kind of seemed like that could have could be alluded to right there. Um, but then it, it circles back around, and he confronts Crane right there. And he, before he comes back to life, he essentially, like, just tells him, like, you know, this, uh, that version of Crane's like, listen, a lot to do. And again, this is truth that, that Dick knows. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, all I had to do to Jason was be like, listen, let's go ahead and take care of that fear. And you're, and he was mine. It was that easy. Then Dick just goes at it. He's got to be stopped and punches his way. And then he punches through the Lazarus pit. He's back to life, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that, yeah, that was awesome. That was a great transition, uh, of him coming from sort of the afterlife or whatever that place was back to life. Yeah. And then he pretty much just tells Raven and Gar. Assemble the Titans, like get us, get them back together, and everything like that. Like, let's go. I, I got. I'm gonna go go ahead and, and approach Jason and find out what the hell's going on here. Um. So the other storyline that we see in this episode is Blackfire. So Blackfire, you know, goes ahead. She's gonna. She needs a car. She's about to go tell take this dude's car, and then Crypto shows up. Which I love the fact that Crypto uh, still has a lot of posters out for him. It's and fantastic. And tell and essentially leads. Blackfire to where um, where Connor was. Where Connor is right there. Mm. And she revives him uh, and pretty much just tells him, hey, listen, fuck the Titans. We don't need them. You yeah, know, we're outcasts and, and everything like that. They say that they're doing things. Connor's pissed. Connor says, yeah. I don't know whether I want to punch Dick in the face for what he did to me or if I, if I just want to forgive him because he's family. Like, he's pissed. Yeah, I know. He's really pissed because he even says there's a part of me, which I'm assuming he was leaning towards the Lex part of him. Because he always kind of talks about his feelings like that, yeah. like a Lex part. And you say, so you don't forget that is the Superman part. There's a part of me that wants to destroy him for what he did to me. There's another part that says, no, family is more important and I need to do what I got to do. But he does literally say, fuck the Titans. I'm going to go off on her. We're going to be together. It compares it to like Hawk and Dove, even though Blackfire has no idea who they are. Yeah, no, no, I don't no. worry about it. But you get you get the sentiment right there. But they go on a like a revenge tour to go find this doctor who was screwing with her, and it looks like they're gonna go ahead and wipe this dude out. But then he offers, "Hey, your ship, I can give you your ship back. It's here. You know, you can you can do what you want to do with it." And she's like, "Well, why the hell do I want to go back to Tamarind?" They're like, "I don't I don't care about that." Starfire shows up and tells her the truth that we found out in last episode. That Blackfire is the rightful queen and everything like that. And I really love that scene because they've had an antagonistic relationship and Starfire has looked at Blackfire, as we all have, as the villain. And now we realize that that's not really the case. No. And she realizes that, Starfire. And I love that she comes and Blackfire's like, what, you come to kill me? And she's like, no, I don't want to kill anyone, but we need to talk. 
and and they talk through it and I, I and, and there's unity there and they, they come together as sisters and and I really enjoyed that I thought that was a really nice moment for those characters yeah so then he, they try to get the ship to work again and she reaches she tells Connor to help her Connor's like oh time out dude I, I thought we were gonna be together and all this other shit what the hell happened to all of that and she's like no that's her calling she has to go ahead and, and do this that you know it's just something she has to do uh, because Kryptonians, he mentions Kryptonians can't survive on Tamarins. That's not like he can go with her. So they need him to help restart the ship. He starts building some shit. You can clearly see he sabotaged the thing and blew the damn thing up. Yes. He has that look on his face while it explodes. And that kind of thing is leaning into some Lex stuff that maybe he has in him. Like, yeah, screw you. Yeah, because he doesn't want to leave her. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't want her to leave him. Like, he, he wants yeah. them to be together. So it's... Yeah, it's an interesting turn for this character, and I guess the next thing is they're going to explore is his Lex side, and I think that's I think that's that's a good move. Yeah, no, it makes the, it's what makes Connor Kent like that interesting is that yeah he has that dynamic in him. Um, so Donna, we see Donna Troy is, is pretty much still helping, still helping to like re- lead the rebellion against Crane and everything like that, and the corrupt GCPD. So she pretty much jacks a GCPD SWAT truck. To help, like, um, I'm sorry, um, Tim Tim Drake's family, and they're kind of trying to get out of the city, and they have a whole conversation where Tim is like, "Listen, I really want to be the next Robin. This is what I want to do. I'm here to. I want to save Gotham. I want to save the city." Everything like that. And they have a back and forth where she's like, "Listen, you know, I mean, the Titans are. You know, we've been active shit for a while. You don't. You're not ready. I trained my whole life to do this. You know, and and like." You, you're not ready. Just trying to consistently tell him that. Just because you have this like secret room and shit like that doesn't mean that you're just ready yet. And he's convinced that like Dick or like Batman or Bruce would give him a shot and would take a, sh- a chance with him. So I think we'll, he's making a case to join the Titans, essentially, or just to be the next Robin, at least. So we'll see where that goes. That kind of goes a little bit unresolved this episode. Um, and then next time we see Dick Grayson, he finds Jason and is offering him redemption. Tells him you'll never be a member of the Titans again. And that is my favorite line of this episode. When Jason like like dismissively goes, and what? Then I'm a Titan again? And Dick goes, you will never be a Titan again. But you can help me save the city. And it's just, it's just the matter of fact way it happens. And it's like, no, there are consequences, right? They're not going to kill Jason Todd. Jason Todd wasn't 100% you know like in his mind to you know he let himself be manipulated he was you know doing drugs whatever so they're not gonna kill him they don't and dick dick Grayson even said like jason's is he here to kill me again he goes no i've i've seen how that feels i didn't like it i'm over i don't want to do that anymore you know so like even as a moment of like not forgiveness but like he wanted to kill jason todd very you know uh, for a while and now it's like no i don't want that anymore but you can help me. And I, I think just the fact that, no, you're never going to be a Titan, but you can do the right thing. Other shows would have fallen into the trap of, of course, your family will, but, but no, he's gone too far and you, yeah. you don't want to kill him anymore, but you, you can't, you can't trust him as a superhero. And I think the fact that they did that, they, they conveyed all of that in three lines. Great. Beautiful. Great writing. Great writing. Also powerful scene. So, yeah, so they pretty much are like through that conversation that they talk about, it and they find out where a lot of uh, you know the stuff that Batman villains have had for a while. It's in the armory of the GCPD, 
including Creighton's fear toxin. So they go ahead and they're like, all right, we know where to find it. Let's go. They go to it, but then we find out the GCPD brought it to the Batcave to Crane. He recaptures it, and boom, episode over. Yeah. Oh, a lot leading man. up to this finale, man. A lot leading up to this finale. Look, this – they're going to stick the landing. There's no way the show has been this consistently good this season. Like, this is my second favorite episode of, of Titans. Yeah. The first is the one where we find out the backstory of Jason Todd and Scarecrow. That was so the fact that two of my favorite Titans episodes are in season three. There's no way they're not going to stick the landing on this. Like I will be so shocked. Look, and if they don't, I'll eat my words. But I will be so shocked if if they don't like give us something really good next week. Yeah, and uh, Roy has another comment here, and his and this Bat family has unresolved yeah. drama. And how each member represents the other. They are older and more scornful. No, he's right. And that's, that's very part of true. What the intrigue of this show is is that we get to see all these the it's the different take on Teen Titans as you know they've been portrayed before as adults and like you know, an R-rated version of it. And and you're right, the Bat family also featured in this show is has a, gone through a lot of shit together. Yeah, and there's a mm -hmm. lot to deal with, and it's like real adult stuff that you wouldn't cover a lot of cartoons and stuff like that. So, and, and that's what hooks me into the show. Yeah, me too. And I think I think we see what Roy said perfectly with the way Barbara Gordon is with Bruce Wayne. Like she yeah. hates him, she blames him for her father's death. She wants nothing to do with him. But when Bruce, she still has the phone, and when Bruce Wayne calls on that phone, she still shows up. And I think that that's what the bat what the bat family is going through right now, right? Like, yeah, we don't trust each other. We're scornful. With like like Roy said, we got these issues. But when Bruce Wayne calls, we all come. And I think that's really an interesting dynamic. So, do we think we're going to see Bruce Wayne back in the finale? I'll be disappointed if we don't. So yeah, I do. I, think we, I, I do think, think we, we will. Again, we need him for the closure of the Jason Todd stuff. We had that great moment in crime alley where, where he pretty much says like, I just, you can be my son. You don't have to be Robin. We have, uh, you know, a lot of great stuff with him in this season with Jason Todd. We have him killing the Joker, which needs to be resolved. Right. Yeah. We have a suicide attempt that needs to be resolved. Like it's a huge mistake. If we don't see him in this episode, this next yeah. one coming up. I agree. Or I know, uh, Tim, I mentioned last week, are we going to see Dick Don the Batman is he gonna become Batman? We still might. I think he might. Yeah. Briefly. Both, I don't think on the table. I don't think it's gonna be like a forever thing. I think it might be uh I'm gonna do it this one time because you know we need to do it for reasons, whatever reasons they come up with. But you know, and they'll go back to being Nightwing next season. But I, I think it might happen. We might see him in the bat suit. So we're not gonna see Batman forever, is what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! That's... That was that. That was because I, I made that Riddler uh, comment before, right? Oh, <laughs> so you just Facebook. said forever. It's not going to be forever. So <laughs> I, I had to go for it. It was there. It, it was the setup was there, whether it was intentional or not. It was there. Correct. Good, good point. And I, I would have gone for it too. You had to. Um, all right. So we'll see what happens there yeah, next week. Unfortunately, it's going to be the finale. I mean, fortunately, on one hand, I'm excited to see it because it's probably going to be crazy and awesome. And the other, it just sucks that we're not going to have Titans for another year. I know, I know. And it, that's like it's another year, man. Yeah, it's probably going to be about a 
year, or I don't know. We'll see what happens because these other shows have been coming back a little bit sooner. So right, I hope we'll so. See. I, I I hope so. Like I could. Here's the thing. I, I really enjoy Doom Patrol. I can wait for Doom Patrol after this season of Titans. I can. I mean, I can. I can wait. I'm gonna have to, but I don't want to. You have no choice. <laughs> Uh, we got some more, uh, another comment here before we move on from Roy. Uh, I hope Jason doesn't die. His character can be redeemed, not fully because he's always been an anti-hero and then Tim can become the heart and that family needs. Roy, I'm yeah. 100% with you, my friend, because Me too. I think that Jason doesn't die. He will continue on as Red Hood as his I... own hero doing his own thing. He will not be a Titan because Nightwing pretty much smacked that shit yeah. down. But uh, I don't think I don't think he's he, he'll leave the show. I think no, no, he'll, he'll be on the be show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll be on the show. But I and we'll see what he's up to. But I just don't think he will be an official Titan because I also Agreed. don't think they're going to stay in Gotham past this. I think no. they're going to move on, and I think yeah. he'll be the hero, one of the heroes in Gotham. Oh, and then I'm curious to see what they do with Tim Drake though. If he becomes Nightwing's Robin, or if Bruce comes back and takes him under the wing and makes yeah. him a proper Robin, that's what I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it might be a combination of both. It might be like he comes back, Tim Drake becomes the official Robin, trains for a bit, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe in the, the next season we'll see, like, we'll still be in Gotham with Tim Drake and and uh, Jason Todd and Bruce Wayne, and then eventually, like, like Jason Todd did, actually, in the first yeah. season, eventually he'll come and join the Titans and he'll, like, be Robin to, to Nightwing. That's my theory. Yeah, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of things to do. And again, they don't have to follow beat for beat every single little thing that yeah. happened in the comments. You can no, it, take liberties with it. And look, I think this shows us that it's even better when they don't sometimes because the Under the Red Hood comic is fine. I enjoy it, but I think it is all over the place. I think it's not the best written comic. And I think it ends so weirdly and, and, and gives us almost no resolution and this is all it took from that was the Joker kills him, kills Jason Todd with a crowbar. Jason Todd becomes the Red Hood. That's the only similarities. And I think this is doing the story so much better. So, you know, by adding the Scarecrow and adding all these other things. And again, we're getting a Titan version of this story. But, yeah. but I, you know, again, I just think that you don't always have to follow the beat for beat. You can actually improve upon the, the comics. And I think this has done that. Yeah, and if you want to see the Red Hood story, if you're not familiar with it, uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, the animated DC movie, yeah. is awesome. I think it's really good. It's excellent. It's, it is in. It, it is actually better than the comic, in my opinion, because yeah. it fixes my biggest issue with the comic, which was how Jason Todd comes back to life. In the comic book, as I think I've said before, it's like a weird interdimensional god sneezes or something and it throws off the or it coughs or they, it pretty much throws off the rhythm of the universe and brings Jason back to life in his coffin and he's got to like claw his way out and he, and he runs off and that's that's how he, he comes back. In the movie in the, the, the cartoon movie that Ed's talking about, it's the Lazarus Pit. I don't know how the hell they didn't do the Lazarus Pit in the first place. It was there the Lazarus pit, yeah. pit brings you back to life. You need someone brought back to life. You just throw them in the fucking Lazarus pit. But I, the, the cartoon fixes the biggest problem with the, the comic for me. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get to it. Let's get to our movie of the week as we begin right. our trip through the, I'm going to call it the live action Spider-Verse. This is not, yeah, this is tough. Let's, 
what it is. This is this is a big one though for me personally oh. as well. Because Spider-Man's my guy, and I mean behind me, my hat, my <laughs> Spider-Man's amazing friends t-shirt. Yeah, nice. I mean, they got rockets, an old one. Um, yeah, Spidey's my favorite character, man. This is this is my dude, so I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, yeah, so we're gonna start it tonight, and we're gonna pick up Spider-Man two, three, and we'll go through the amazing Spider-Man movies and, yep. uh, and Spider-Verse and everything that. And as as a bonus, uh, we're gonna be watching some old Spider-Man cartoons. Yep. Uh, as we go along, I know that we're not gonna talk about them this time, but there is no way I'm not gonna talk about the Spider-Woman. By the way. Before we start this movie, I got to tell you guys about the Spider-Woman just in a sentence that I watched. Um, but we're going to be watching some old Spider-Man cartoons. And uh, a, a student of mine who actually just turned on to the show uh, loaned me a, a Spider-Man, the first 25 issues of The Amazing Spider-Man, which I found out Ed has as well. So we're going to be reading that at some point and talking about that when we have less content to cover. So uh, this is going to be a Spider-Man bonanza for the next couple of weeks. And this guy is super excited about it. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, so let's, let's get into it. We opened up the show with um, the pretty much the single that went along with the film back in 2002, um, Hero, which is featured in the credits of, of, the, of the film. Um, yeah, this is Tobey Maguire's first turn as, um, as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh, you get Kirsten Dunst as uh, Mary Jane Watson. Uh, William Defoe is the Green Goblin. This oh, yes. spectacular. He is crazy, um, William Defoe, and it's it's beautiful. He is um, so good. And I thought I uh, I guess we can start with the director with the choice of Sam Raimi to be the director of a Spider-Man film. Um, before this, I mean, Jason and I are also horror fans, so we're familiar with his work from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was when I first. I remember back in the day when I first heard Sam Raimi was doing this. I was like, "All right, that's an interesting choice. We'll see what happens." I think it, watching it now from this perspective, as well, I think it works extremely well for this film and for the next film as well because of I the do. horror elements that I didn't really think were involved with the film. It's so funny you bring that up because I rewatched this movie and I rewatched it with my wife who usually doesn't watch movies like this with me, but she's interested in this one. She's actually going to watch the next one with me too. And I turned to it at some point and I went, you know, I forget that this is Sam Raimi until I realized this is shot like a horror movie. And yes. we'll talk about it more in season in the episode, episode two, but this also has shot, like he does shoot things like this, like a horror movie. And yeah. I, I think that is just so cool because it's not what you expect in a movie like this. Yeah, no, I agree. But before we get on, we have a we have a guest who is uh, guest. We have a special guest here one who wanted to talk about the film with us. Uh, she's going to be joining Double O Deep Dive during the Jason's. Uh, and I was I will be appearing on Double O Deep Dive from time to time as well. But it will be Jason's vehicle to to run over here. Uh, we have Guinea. What's up? Welcome hey. to Guinea Speech Day. Hi, can you hear me okay? I'm yeah, like, no, you're yeah. good. All right. Awesome. Yeah, excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys. So good to yeah. see you. 
pleasure. Thanks Great to see us. you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm excited for I'm excited to go dive into James Bond with you guys. Me too. It is the season. November, December, January is very Bond for me. That's, That's when you me. watch all of them. That's when they show, used to show them all the time. So it's a special time. Me too, which is yeah. why I proposed to start it in the beginning of November. Yeah. Because in my head, oh, November, that's when TNT starts the five yeah. days of Bond or whatever. Because when I was yeah. a kid, that's what they did, like thir Bond Thursdays or whatever. Yeah. It was like Spike TV used to have like just, it was like, it was a Thanksgiving marathon just for Bond. Yes. And then like New Year's would do Bond again too. So it's, 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 it's tis the season to be Bond. the season for the Bond. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So, yeah, we were just, we just, kicked off our discussion about Spider-Man. We were talking about the choice of Sam Raimi as the director of the film. And um, are you familiar with Evil Dead? Or is it, uh, yeah, I, okay, I just... I sure. No, 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 because it, it's tis the season for horror movies and yes. all the they're all on um, uh, HBO Max. And I realized I hadn't watched the first one in like a few years, like years, but I, I, I made a point to put it on during the day because it genuinely scares me because it's so... It is scary. It's like it's so low budget, so weird and like gross that I was like, I just don't need the that it's very quiet. I'm like, I don't want that at night. So mm -hmm. I just put on during the day and I was like watching that and just kind of like in awe and just really like appreciating it. But little it is like, you know, it's it's kind of not disturbing, but it's it's it's, un it's unsettling. So I definitely watched it during the day, the first one. So <laughs> that first Evil Dead movie. So my my Evil Dead thing is I I saw the second one first and I loved it because mm. it's a comedy horror. And then I saw the third one. Then I saw the first one, and it was I enjoyed it, but it's very different. Mm. It's and it's so yeah. low budget. It's kind of like watching like a horror movie snuff film, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like oh, the original no. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. That's the feel about that as well. It, Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, mm -hmm. and Halloween and yeah. well, not as much the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but I but I, I would say Halloween's a bit more polished. Like uh, mm -hmm. Halloween it's not I don't think Halloween's low budget. I think Halloween is just sort of bare bones, which what what's make what makes it so scary. But I wouldn't yeah. say it's low budget. Well, I mean, literally it was, but I, I know what you're saying. Though. I know what you mean. Oh, like, uh, yeah, they don't go the, for the quality, gore. quality of it. Yeah, yeah. the quality of it. The they don't go for the gore, like, which doesn't yeah. expose the yes. budget as much. Mm. That's so. that's exactly right. it. That's it. Like they they know how to be a low budget movie that looks like it's not a low budget movie. Yeah, exactly. Which it sounds like we actually could probably do a pretty cool horror movie show with the three of us right now. But oh, we absolutely could. Really? We absolutely could. We, we probably uh, could. Absolutely. The, the only person outside of you that has probably seen more bad horror movies than me is this person right here. <laughs> Write a thesis on Full Moon, yeah. Full Moon Pictures Entertainment. Oh, that's the Francisco Rivera special and Rick yeah. Sedra's. By oh, the way. Yeah, uh, that would be a certain thing. He used to have them on VHS. Francisco. Oh. He Friends of ours, yeah. Friends of our yes, friend of ours from high school. Wild. You have to. It's out. <laughs> Yeah, I got mine um, from I got mine from um, cable. I'd be up all I would stay oh, up wow. all night uh, on USA with Gilbert right. Godfrey. Wow. Yeah. You did it. And you what did was it. I don't remember her I mean, name, but that's that I was quoting her. I don't I remember her name though. The blonde one, right? Yeah. Was it Rhonda something? Rhonda. Mm, Rhonda well, man, I don't remember her name, last name, but it was pretty pretty all night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was on Friday. Gilbert Godfrey was on Saturday. I enjoyed both of them for different pair. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so so again you so what do you how do you feel about the choice of sam raimi to direct a spider-man film um me personally i that in hindsight it it's 
because it was James Cameron was going to do it for a while in the 90s. That was like when you, yeah. you know, later you do the research um, or or just you find out later. But because I watched you watched I watched Spider-Man before I watched any of Sam Raimi's stuff. And uh, so it just didn't seem like it just seemed like quirky and kind of funny. And then then he becomes this big, you know, huge director in Hollywood for a while. Um, it it It's kind of great, though. I and that's also like another conversation about any a director who starts in horror most do in some way are these like elevated like then you got peter jackson and even james cameron also sort of started in horror and then they do their 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 action movies their dramas um but yeah it it's so it's so crazy it's so he gets it's the comedy i think though is special and it's not and and yet he kind of does i'll talk more about the sort of the romantic parts and like maybe yeah. the sentiment it's it is sentimental which always is like when you're a kid when you're a 13 year old girl for me it's great and that's the best part and the kissing's the best part um but it's such a it's such a the tone in the first movie i think watching it i never loves the second one i know everyone loves the second one but the first one i think really nails the tone but i i i you know it's just it's so funny and then you'll I'm, we'll mention it later to the aspects of horror because i don't think a lot of modern horror modern unless you're a dc film but a lot of Marvel, modern Marvel movies have horror or um, some menace or like genuine, like genuine suspense, I think. And I realized that there was a lot of that in this movie, just, just, and, and which is kind of like, again, a little offsets some of the humor, like a J. Jonah Jameson scene or yeah. uh, just an immediate kind of like menace and, and, uh, you're here having a good time kind of before with like Macy Gray and, and like yeah. <laughs> some a, res, a wrestling scene, like a silly wrestling scene. Then it, it just, I, it's a little whiplash. I don't know, not whiplash in a good way. I think yeah. that's a good, that's a great point actually, because we, Eddie and I were talking about, a we talked about Batwoman a lot last season mm. and we talked about how the, the tone just jumped all over the place. But mm. this is a movie where the tone transitions to many different places but it's not, it's not jumping. It all feels mm -hmm. earned. And yeah. I think, you know, that's what you're saying. You have scenes that are shot like yeah. like you're watching a horror movie. But then you've got, mm -hmm. like, these really fun J. John and Jameson scenes, like you yeah. said. J. John and Jameson scenes. But also, it's fun, but it makes me anxious. Watching those yeah. scenes make me anxious, you know? It's and I think it's uh. such a great it, – the movie does a great job about balancing its tones like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what we were saying that before you had just come on is that I personally and Jason was agreeing that the the elements that I didn't know that I needed in a Spider-Man film that Sam Raimi mm -hmm. brings to it, like the stuff with the Green Goblin, yeah. and then like the body transformation with Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah, that kind of calls for it, and the way that mm -hmm. it's shot is it, it's perfect. Actually, it it yeah. it, it, it lands it perfectly. And which leads me to believe, like, yeah, he's he was the guy for this. Like, I just didn't think of it, like, for a Spider-Man film that I would need horror elements hmm. in it. And just the way, like, the zooms and stuff like that yeah. that were there. I think it's it, it looks great. The, movie, the the film is shot beautifully. I, I don't want to, like, jump to the, to the end scene of, like, the, that, the final battle. Because, I again, I'm just, I haven't seen the movie in years. But I remember, you know, I was obsessed in, like, middle school. And you, like, these are the DVDs you watched and first, like, sort of owned for me. Um, but the... But the, the 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 scene the fight the final fight scene at the end I forgot there's no music 
it cuts out. There's no score. And it's just brutal punching. Yeah. And, and he's bleeding. He's like bloody. And it's not yeah. fun blood. It's like awfully, you know, like his mask is strategically ripped. But then the, yeah. just the he, blood he looks is messed up. He does. Yeah. yeah. And it's and, it, and it's I don't know. It's 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 real and it's makes you uncomfortable and he's not your perfectly chiseled hero who's just got a couple punches and it's like i can do this all day no offense to captain america he is like <laughs> he's got his ass kicked and it's uh it's so that's that's scary and it's scary with the smoke and it's just the two of them and no one's they're isolated and it's and it's then it's manipulative and he gets manipulative and that's ten, that's built just tension but i just forgot that there was no music the music is them punching each other it's the zoom it's the his his iconic, you know, camera angles. Um, those camera angles are so like, and especially in the second movie too, they just really lend themselves to being a comic book. Um, and the, which is another reason, like he just, you do, he is kind of perfect for this. It's yeah. a little, it's heightened. It's heightened in a good way. Um, everything is a little bit heightened. It's, yeah, but it's, he, yeah. he does, he does, I think what uh, any good director who does one of these movies does is he, he does what he does right by the franchise, but he puts his own stamp on it. Yeah, and and yeah. I think that's that. This is like this is a Sam Raimi movie that really does well for the source material. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which I didn't know about until years later when I had read that Sam Raimi is a huge Spider-Man fan, but yeah. more of a '60s '70s Spider-Man fan. And mm. knowing that and rewatching this, and I mean, when it came out, and and like you were saying, when it came out on DVD, I was obsessed with it because as Maybe you can tell behind me or whatever. I love Spider-Man. He's by far my favorite hero. Um, But I was like so hyped up for this. And I haven't watched it in a really long time. I just sat down and really gave it a full rewatch. And you can see the love that Raimi pours into this film. And you can Mm -hmm. really see the love for the source material. And that's where I wanted to transition into like the casting of Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. I'm going to tell you something. I... I've always loved Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I'm not. I never knocked him. I mean, Tom Holland. I lately has. I maybe his recency bias was taking over a little bit. I, I will say, <laughs> I found a new appreciation for Tobey Maguire's Peter mm. Parker and Spider-Man again, coming from the lens of someone who's a original '60s Spider-Man fan. He mm. is perfect for this. Mm. Even though he's obviously older, he's a little too old yeah. to be a teenager. But, but, but he's so boyish. But he's very. He's very boyish. That's like when Andrew Garfield yeah. got cast. That's it's, I, and Andrew Garfield was like, "Oh, that's perfect. Isn't that perfect?" Because he's like a young, lanky. He's go- kind of silly. Like he's he should be like the hair. Like that's a right. perfect thing. But then I think back on, and I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Tobey Maguire, and he's like boyish. But he's got mm-hmm. a great body, but he's like he's like a man. He does look yeah. like a man in the suit. Yeah. And then Tom Holland's a boy in my mind still, like <laughs> kind of always is. Yeah. And I, but I just yeah, watching Tom it. A child. <laughs> he's a baby. He's a little baby. Yeah. A little beautiful baby boy. But then I go. But then I look at you know Tobey Maguire, and he's like, I think I think you'll get burned out by the seventh movie, and he not as a little annoying, but it's just like he's doing these strange things, and that's like just kind of a me a weird leading man thing to do but that first movie he really is so he's earnest he's like a puppy and 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 sincere though and super sincere oh i just yeah i i like i I got a a new appreciation from this movie especially he does a great job in the transformation too Mm -hmm. like when you see him in the beginning before he gets his spider powers he's he carries himself differently yeah i forget i don't know if you do i forgot that toby mcguire is a hot guy until he gets his powers and then he's Mm -hmm. like he's looking in the mirror jackson you're like right 
exactly. Hit the gym. Okay. Before that, I was like, oh yeah, he's just he's like a nerdy yeah. schlub. It's like, no, he's hot, super hot, Toby McGuire. But but Toby really pulls it off well, and yeah. I, that's why I, like he. I I really love him as Spider-Man. Who will be my favorite Spider-Man will be determined uh, how good the next Tom Holland movie is. Mm -hmm. Because if Tom Holland does three fantastic Spider-Man movies, he's obviously my favorite. Mm -hmm. But I love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. And I I appreciate him in this run, but I always appreciate him. Like, I've never had... like hate on him. I don't even care if he. I don't care how old he is. Look, I, I've I grew up in a time where high school students were Gabrielle Carteris when they are like thirty five in high school. <laughs> yeah. in Beverly Hills, no, it's, it's like yeah. You know, and I work with high school students. You know what I don't want to see? I don't want to see high school students actually playing high school students because as much as I love high school students because I work with them and they're wonderful, that's not what you want. That you, trust me, it's not what you want. No, it, it's definitely not. But I, but I also think that looking at this film, the Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man is Spider-Man really in high school. Like, we pick mm-hmm. him up when he's yes. a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yes. yeah. This Peter Parker is just graduating. Yeah. So you can kind of look like if you were going to look at Peter Parker in college – then Tobey Maguire is probably your choice to, to right. go with. I, yeah, mean, I yeah, can yeah. see him passing as a college student mm. because he's mm-hmm. very briefly in high school in, in the film. Like he's probably yeah. like yeah. in his last month. Yeah. This is not something I had to like think about again. I'm like, oh, all right, so maybe I won't ding them too bad for casting an adult yeah. as a high school student. <laughs> this is Spider-Man the college years. So I, 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 I can roll with that. It's, it's a college Yeah, why not? And uh, Roy, we have a comment here from from Roy here, and I think that's relevant to what we're talking about. Uh, the movies make you feel like Peter, when Peter is over with being a Spider-Man, you mm-hmm. generally feel like it's over. Mm-hmm. When Peter is drained, so is the audience. Especially when Peter is swinging through the city, and you feel the grandiose of it. Yeah, I agree. When he's screaming, woo! And, and all yep. of this stuff, you're kind of like, yeah, I can see that. Like, you know, like, let's just say it's got to be like 19, 20 years old or something like that. I don't know. Like 18, 19. Please help me out with ages when people graduate high school right now. Are you um, kidding me? Knows? If Eddie, you knew me in high school. Yes. Could you imagine if at <laughs> 18 I all of a sudden was bitten by a radioactive spider and got Spider-Man powers? I would have been all over the place. It would have been <laughs> terrible. Exactly. <laughs> he is such a nerd. He's like a good again, I, I don't want to like critique because Tom Holland is his own special yes. bees. And like but I and Andrew Garfield yeah. is like in hindsight should be amazing to me isn't really because he's a weird he's a different kind of nerd doing something different i like the pure dorkiness that always quote the line because i also there's so many quotable lines in this movie is the let's get some lunch some evening or let's get some (laughs) let's get some and it's so cringy dorky and like sweet and that's that's really nice though and he and i think that would be my my only criticism and that's more of a script thing is that his you know the in the wrestling scene, he's like, "That's a nice outfit. Did your did your boyfriend make it for you?" And yeah, yeah. But but, I, but, but that's the comedy the, didn't yeah, comedy dated itself. I, but that's bit. the I, only quip they give him. Yeah. They try to give him yeah. humor wise, yeah. and I go, and then there's like nothing else, and he's just kind of, I don't know what his jabs are, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rogan, this is true. I mean, Macho Man's best acting performance. <laughs> Oh man, poor, poor. <laughs> so roided out. I do, I do want to say that uh, I did also make a note about the gay panic joke, which I was not happy about. <laughs> um, but whatever, it, it's the only one. It was very two thousands, very two thousands. I mean, you know, um, write it off for its time. 
I right, exactly. That's I, I kind of have to do that. But that I was like, to... yeah. What are the other quips though? Does he have any other quips besides that? Like as a uh, hero? Not really? He's serious. It's because he gets serious. Yeah, well, like he... I, that's what I, that's what I was kind of thinking, right? When I was and I couldn't help but trying to like compare him to hmm. Tom Holland, and I didn't want to do this so either. But yeah, that's where I think Tom Holland as Spider Man excels a lot because hmm. he has the quips and he's more like Peter Parker in the comics when he's Spider Man. He's a super wise ass and everything like that. When yeah. he's Peter Parker, he's, you know, all nice and everything like yeah. that. And Tony, yeah. you don't have any of that. It's essentially two separate characters. Mm -hmm. And it's also Peter Parker, like, letting it out, letting his confidence mm -hmm. out and everything mm -hmm. like that. And that's why he has the mouth on him that he does when he's Spider-Man. And that's where I felt that we'll get into the Garfield movies in a few weeks. He, I think, with the writing of that, before I, I don't want to dive into the whole thing with it, they just went over the top. They just yeah. made him, like, Spider-Man's actually an asshole. And that's why I didn't yeah. like those. That's why uh, I didn't like those movies. We'll get into it, but that was my issue yeah. too, because he was uh, Jenny. It's like you said before; it's a different kind of nerd. It's like yeah. he's nerdy, but he's edgy and he's cool. Yeah. Skateboards, he's like skateboarding, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, this Peter Parker's like pocket protector, and that's yeah. that's the kind that's of that's the '60s Spider-Man. That's yes, the '60s, '70s Spider-Man. If you I guess go back and look at those comics, he literally is the super nerd in that. Yeah. And and maybe I'm also a big fan of the '60s Spider-Man too. Maybe that's why I didn't really jive with the Amazing Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Because yes. of the ultimate. Because yeah. I I've had I've that's had students who told me that the Amazing Spider-Man is is their Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I think you know it it is based on a run of comics. I just don't think it's a run of comics I read or would have enjoyed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I guess let's. Can, can I posit one good. thing before we get out of high school? I want to posit one thing, and that is. The school bus driver is the real villain of this movie. He was a jerk. He was so everyone's bullying. Everyone's so mean. Oh yeah. The, you expect the kids to bully Peter, but when the bus driver's like, hey, fuck you, Parker. It's like, I mean, he doesn't actually do that, but he sees him and he speeds he up. The know? nerds, the other nerds are mean to him too. The one girl's like, you can't sit with me. Right. She's got glasses and pigtails. And I'm like, you're the nerdiest of them all. It's like, it's damn, like, yeah, she's shit. a super nerd. She was bitten by a radioactive nerd. That's how she got her powers. <laughs> um, and I, I wanted to just one more thing, one more thing before we're out of high school. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to give this, this movie the only ding I'm going to give it. And that is only something a Queens boy would give this ding. Mm -hmm. Is this yes. movie has no fucking idea how Queens works. No, how do you... How do you walk out of your apartment in Forest Hills? I know exactly what the block is because my ex-girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend you know, Kelly, uh, the, the, the Eddie, Kelly, her name was. Yes. You lived on a block with her, right? Yes. Her Part of her family lives on the block they filmed that, that scene. So I know exactly where that block is in Forest Hills. It's right by the McDonald's off of uh, Metropolitan Avenue, right? Then why does he turn the corner and he is in Sunnyside or Woodside? He's like three blocks away from the bar he used to drink in underage. How the hell does that happen? And then they're talking about, well, he's been running since Woodhaven Boulevard. Woodhaven, I know, I heard Woodhaven that. Boulevard's miles away, people. What are you doing? Look at the map. So, so my, wife, my, my wife, Angie, was watching this with me the other day. And I, I, she even said that. She's like, wait a second. Running from Woodhaven Boulevard, I, I was like, "All right, Angie, time out," because you grew up in Kansas City. You didn't live in New York when this movie you came live in out. Kansas City? <laughs> no, she did. She grew up and raised in Kansas City. So I'm like, that. "You didn't know that until you went ahead and moved to Queens, right?" She's like, "Yeah." So I was over the last ten years, you learned that. 
I was catching he ran whether he was like when he got his gets his powers and he's exploring, he just ran are we doing it on Ascan, I think. And I yes, recognized yes, it. I was yes, like, Oh yes, yeah. I brunch I brunch there yes. like all the time. And it was just kind of like I was like, now I can recognize now I just now that I'm a Queens girl, I realize <laughs> you where, are, you've well now you own property in Queens. So now it's in now your I own property in Queens. <laughs> Philadelphia and Queens, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, so I guess let's talk about William Dafoe. Let's talk about the Green Goblin in this film. Mm. Um, I know there's some people who give it shit because he has the mask and you can't see his mouth moving, and he's not an actual mutated goblin, per se, that they went with like a suit of armor instead. You know, like in the Isn't comics. It, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a suit in the comics. It, it's not a yeah, suit, it's a, but it's a, a mask and stuff like he that. He has yeah, it's a pack. Uh, the, but the... there was also other iterations oh. where he mutated into an actual goblin, per se. I... I do. My my husband had a good point. He is. He didn't watch it with me, but he. No. We were talking about just like you know. I guess like a few weeks ago, and we were joking about you know like how you know what's or if you were going to do a new Green Goblin and the new movies, like how would you do it? And he goes, "It's just like a pity." He goes, "That that mask is so awful." And he goes, "And William Defoe has a goblin face. Like yeah, his face true. is so like angular. He's very handsome, but he just is like a goblin, and he makes it like that. And you're like, you missed out." You must, I don't know. I'm just like, maybe not make it mutate him, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to do the thing? Do you want to do the, the Dane DeHaan effects with the weird? I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you do? He just looks sick in that. I'm going to, I'm going to defend this Green Goblin actually, because Mm. I, I don't like it as much as I like the way the comics accurate one looks, but I'm never going to, right. Mm. With the exception of maybe, Doc Ock. I think Doc Ock looks pretty fucking awesome in, in Spider-Man 2. Yes. Um, but this was made at a time when we did not realize, nor did we have the technology to make comic book accurate things look good in real life. Mm-hmm. We have it now. Mar- the MCU mm-hmm. does it all mm-hmm. the time, but even mm-hmm. they have to change things. So I think Sam Raimi going, you know what? Why does he have superpowers if he just puts a cloth mask on? That's not going to yeah. look good. It's just green and purple. Let's give him muted colors with a suit to give him the power. I don't necessarily love the choice, but I understand why they made it. And I think had they not, we would have gotten like they were trying to avoid things like we've covered on the show before. Fantastic Four or things like um what else we uh, that that, that god awful Captain America movie like uh-huh. they were trying to avoid ridiculous looking things and uh-huh. I think what they had in their head was comic book accurate things look ridiculous so we have to make it look real uh-huh. so yeah. I'm not going to ding it for the way the Green Goblin looks I think you know Willem Dafoe could have pulled something off had they done something different but mm-hmm. how they did it makes sense for the time and and I'm okay with it. I do love the the mirror scenes, and that's kind of yes. a sample because I want because again that's I think it's like a that's an Evil Dead too with Ash fighting himself in the mirror, and he's got the evil Ash in him. That's what I and thought that, about too. Yeah, I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is such a Sam Raimi thing, and but he's so gosh, like this is this is this is a this is our William Defoe Academy Award nominee, beloved America's sweetheart, you know, crushing it. Cause it's all you need is just like him and then him turning and then, and then he's normal and he's just like sinister again. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how perfect that's, you know. And he's an, he's an actor that can pull that off. Not yeah. every actor can pull yeah. that off. Like, you know that mm. they weren't doing anything to his face. Mm-hmm. That was him acting the different parts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I just, uh, I cannot speak to how much I love Willem Dafoe in this movie and how happy I am that we are getting him in no way home. Oh, uh, me too. 
Yeah. Did you also? Did, welcome back to it. Let's yeah. see, did you see the lighthouse? Did we all see the lighthouse? I haven't uh, seen it yet. I did not. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? It's worth yeah, seeing? Oh, it's really, oh, it's worth, it's totally worth seeing. They're both, they're both amazing. Both should have been nominated for Oscars. Uh, I love Robert Eggers. Yeah, but that's a great movie. Everyone check that's, it out. That's also a great scene that William Defoe has with it. Oh, and he's lowers Spider-Man into the burning building and stuff. And of course he goes in and he's telling them how predictable he is. And it was just a scream when he turns around with it. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was, it was, it was kind of like a jump scare thing. If yeah. You, like, no. The first time you saw it. That scene is shot like a horror movie because yes, when, yeah. when Spider Man yeah. gets there, you see the Green Goblin. You know it's a Green Goblin, yet kind of moving in the background, and then it's there's the jump scare, and and I love the scene that leads up to that too, where they're hunting Spider Man, like the cops, and they're like, "All right, go, but I'm gonna get you when you get back." And I love that Spider Man goes, "I'm not coming back." No, yeah. <laughs> it's just like go oh, and I just again I I love realistic moments like that because if I were a superhero and a cop was like. Go save that person. I'll arrest you when you get back. I'd be like, no, I'm not coming back. So do it or let me go. <laughs> and they <laughs> need him. He does you know? <laughs> um, the scene at the the scene at the end that we that we discussed a little bit earlier, which Alex has a comment on here too, and I I did want to uh, get your take on this. Uh, what I love about the final scene between Peter Parker and Green Goblin is that the Green Goblin knows that Peter Parker is dedicated to being Spider Man and to save the city, and it forces him to choose between the love of his life and his citizens, and the Green Goblin tried to make his choice one out of the two, which is reminiscent of when he can't beat Peter, uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. if you touch on that um, at the end of the of the film, which is pretty much what, what his decision is, and it leads into the second movie, but the first time you saw this, though, and uh, Jeannie, I'm not really sure how much you're aware of this moment in the comic books, when this happens, but with Gwen yeah. Stacy, yeah, but yeah. Gwen Stacy dies, yeah. And well, the first time I saw this movie, the second I saw the bridge and everything, I'm like, oh, no. they're gonna fucking kill MJ oh, no. in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Oh. I was and shocked that they went with that, but that's even more suspenseful. Better. Knowing what, yes. what you know, the fans would know, yeah. and then thinking, oh my god, like uh, the first movie, first time out, like we're just gonna get killer and, and, done, and that's it yeah i had the same i had the same thing when i was a kid so i i, I mean, think Spider-Man about that is my my second favorite right so when i was a kid i became obsessed with trying to find reprints of classic spider-mans hmm. now this was the 80s 90s so this was before you could just go and get graphic novels so mm-hmm. they would actually reprint issues yeah. and one that i bought for way more money than it was worth was a reprint of gwen stacy's death And I love the way that plays out in the comic. And this is literally the comic almost beat for beat. Like, you know, Gwen Stacy dies. um, MJ does not. But I think that's the only difference. Like, Mm -hmm. the way the Green Goblin dies in the comic is the way he dies in this. He rams himself with Mm. the glider. Mm. And the Green Goblin was the first character that I knew of as a kid who died in the comic and stayed dead because he didn't come back until like 2000, right? Yeah. So that was like, so that was a seminal moment for me because that was where I learned, oh, wow, okay, some people can die and not come back in comics. Mm. So like, I loved this ending. Like, I just, I cannot talk about how much I love this ending because of my history Mm. with the Gwen Stacy ending. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that also transitions us to talking about Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane Mm. Watson. Um, I honestly think they should have went with Gwen Stacy. I think she would have been 
a much better Gwen Stacy than she was um, an MJ. I mean, and I've kind of always thought this though since I saw the film. I, when I was a kid, and you're, when you're again, when you're like a dopey little kid, you're like, oh, she's red hair, perfect, like great, yeah. she looks good, she's like, you know, gorgeous. And then you realize, no, she's supposed to be a little bit more. That's why I was kind of pumped when Zendaya was cast as MJ, or like was the rumor because I was like, yeah, she's she's charismatic, she's hot, she's like that's kind of MJ is like a party girl. That's the typically the thing. And Kristen Dunst is like, you just look at her filmography; she's more of a Gwen Stacy, really. Like, yes, in exactly. hindsight, she really is, you know. And and the character is a little, again, sentiment. That's the that the, the lines are very sentimental. Yeah. There's only like a few times where you can just see her, like when she's sad. She's got the when she had the parent the the parent scene, and she shifts when like Flash comes in, and she's like, oh my gosh, like she just turns on a dime. And you're like, okay, there's like this a little bit of trauma, but she really is like it's she's hiding this sensitive girl inside. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie, and the second movie is her very I don't know like. Not, not very fun. <laughs> no, not, not, yeah, yeah, not at all. You know, and, I, and um, I'm kind of surprised when Raimi, with Raimi doing this movie and his love for the 60s, 70s, mm. I am surprised that I, I just have always been surprised they didn't, they skipped over Gwen Stacy. She didn't exist. And then they, well, whatever, we so, know she could, they bring her in really awkwardly in the third film, which was a huge mistake. Stupid, mm -hmm. stupid. Huge mistake. I, I'm going to dissent a little bit on this. I think she would. I think she'd make a great Gwen Stacy. I don't know why they didn't go Gwen Stacy in this movie. However, I do really like her as MJ. I, I this in my mind when I think of like who is my screen MJ, it's her. Like I and I love Zendaya, and I think I was just telling uh, Regina this. Like you know, people who complain that oh well that doesn't look like MJ in the comic or whatever. It's like okay, you know what. In my opinion, you have a good MJ comic live action. It, uh, it's called uh. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Go fucking watch that and <laughs> let me enjoy my Zendaya. But, you know, having said that, I, I do really like her as MJ. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't always think she's likable as a character. And yeah. I think that, that could be an it's issue. Writing. MJ, then, but that is writing. That's yeah. it's like Because MJ is always a likable character in the comic, mm -hmm. as far as I've seen. Um. But I, I think I don't think it's her performance that takes away. As you said, I think it's the writing. I think she's doing the the which is exactly what she's supposed to do. I think yes. she's just a little. Um, but I think that's just like maybe it's just ties to this the the romance of and it, when it's and again we talk about the everything's a little bit heightened. So if it's horrific, it's going to be horror. If it's funny, right. it's going to be you know super nineteen forties kind of like slapsticky. Mm -hmm. uh, and their romance is so it just it goes into the love theme and it's very. Again, you, maybe it's sentimental, but I think it's super, super sweet. I think it gets a little over the top in the second one. The first yeah. one, I think it's a nice, it's a perfect little balance. And I'm a sucker for, it gets, and that's like halfway where she falls in love with Spider-Man is like, I'm in love with somebody. I've never seen his face. And I'm a yeah. sucker. I, it's a Meridian Chase thing. And I love it. I love it. It's like, the, I'm totally in love with, it's really you, but I'm, you know. Did you just reference Batman for it? Yeah, I love her. I like, this episode. <laughs> This is the second time Batman Forever has been referenced in this episode. Is uh, why I'm asking. Great, great movie, great movie, guys. Love it. It's a great well, film. Well, I guess we'll have to bring it back when we yeah. get to the Batman. Yeah, oh, we'll please do. You, you can be the person who defends that when we get to that movie. All right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in, guys. Let's go. Well, uh, I also think there's one thing that I, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense, and I want to transition another next character to talk about is MJ dating Harry Osborn. Is completely That's weird, stupid. It just makes no sense. It comes completely out of nowhere, and it's just there. 
And why? And why? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Because because he can't. There's that will they want. He can, I guess. And yeah, oh. they just seem like they don't really have any chemistry together. Yeah. Where did they actually like each other? He kind of did it because he can. Because she, Peter wouldn't make a move. She does. She that's what your best friend is gonna do. Really? He, he gives her tries to give her a kiss. I assume they've been dating for a few weeks. But well, he hasn't his father yet. But she like turns away from him. And he's like, yeah. And a kid, give yeah. her a nice little kiss. And you're a 2002 James Franco. I don't, you that, know. I kissed 2002 James Franco, and I'm completely straight. You know, <laughs> say, what, say what you will about him now, but I go. That, this was the heartthrob yeah, of perfect. our. He was our James Dean of the 2000s. This, yeah, this was 2000. You know, this, he was this a, was James Franco in his prime. Uh, and I think I I dinged him. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so we know a lot about James Franco now. Uh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. His performance in this film as Harry Osborne. Out of the three movies, he was Harry Osborne. He is actually really good. I think yeah, this great. is his best performance. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think there's so good. much, there's so many good, good, he has great chemistry with Peter. His terrible yeah. chemistry with MJ, but he has great chemistry with Peter. And his father. And his father. Yes, his and father. I love the, I love I the love father stuff. I love how it's obvious his father is fawning over Peter and mm -hmm. not him. And he's disappointed. Mm -hmm. And he handles that so well, like as an actor, um, I think he is a great Harry, and I, I've read Harry Osborne comic books because I'm again I'm also a Spider-Man comic uh, fan, and I think he's a great Harry Osborne. Hmm. I think he he Harry Osborne in the comic is one of those guys who's like kind of hapless until he becomes the Green Goblin. Yeah, and I think we do see that we don't see that in this movie with him because he doesn't become the Green Goblin. But yes. I think his arc in these three movies really exemplifies that. I think I wrote that he was kind of path not pathetic, but like there was a sad pathetic because it's like a rich boy energy about yeah, him. But he's yeah. like, and he's and he's kind of an asshole to like MJ, and he's like, I'm gonna be half the man my father is. And I'm like, you're just like yeah. a sad like you just want approval, and right. he gets that energy. That's like, and that's a hard thing to do. And you look, he looks like he's a very handsome guy. So how do you yeah. pull off the? I I'm gonna be friends with the nerd, the lone nerd at the school. This is my you know buddy. I don't know. It's like I was like that. What a weird kind of. Uh, I don't know who else was up for it, but I, I he nails it. I think that's like that weird, yeah. like a little pathetic energy. Yeah. 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 And, and even that, that, that scene in the beginning when you see him and Peter in high school on that trip, mm -hmm. that's all believable. You know, mm -hmm. I believe they're friends. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. But as far as characters that are really pretty much jump off comic pages at you as well, <laughs> J.K. Simmons. Yes. So good. As J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, like, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, they're still he's going perfect. to him. They're still going to him. Like, here's the thing. Holy if shit. J if, if I could Constantine a J. John Jameson from the page into real physical life, it would be J.K. Simmons. He's mm. fucking amazing at this. And, like, so we talked about before, like, when he is, like, barking orders, I am anxious. The yeah. man makes me anxious. But then you have this, and this is probably the moment, my favorite Jay Jonah moment, is he does not sell Peter Parker out to the Green yeah, Goblin. Yeah, no. interesting. The Green yeah. Goblin breaks into his office, yeah. grabs him by the throat, picks him up. Peter Parker is right fucking there. And he's like, I don't know who sent They just send it. It's anonymous. Yeah. It's like, you know what? He's not a good guy, but he's <laughs> not a bad guy either. Maybe he protects his employees. Maybe he's verbally abusive. But maybe, maybe, right. no, maybe like you know. But he's got your back. He's got, he's your, got back, your back. Probably yeah. supports your family somehow. You know, that's right. He's yeah. going to make you feel like shit every day, but he yeah. will not let someone murder you in your sleep. Oh, <laughs> send you Christmas meat. 
Yeah, that's what he said, right? He says yeah. Christmas meat. I was tackling because this is and this is like I what was J.K. Simmons doing around this time? Because he's so perfect, and then I just and of course like he wins an Oscar later, but oh my gosh, like I was genuine and I knew these jokes. Like I used to watch this movie like a trillion times. You'd quote it, but then like watching it again, I was genuine. Like yeah, <laughs> like um, what is oh god? The he's like he's like oh I, I know your problem. You don't trust anyone. And he goes trust my barber. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. That's a great. Right. You just you're right, and it's his delivery that yeah. makes it. Oh, man. that's it. Just the, just the one line. Oh man, it's so good. Um, oh, that's yeah, that's fantastic. A, another character that jumps off the pages is Rosemary Harris as Aunt May. Hmm. I mean, He's listen, nice. I I like I enjoy Marissa Tomei's current Aunt May because it's different, and it, it Look, makes sense with Tom Holland. But I find this it is weird. the comic book one. I mean, this is I comic find... book Aunt May. I find it weird that I'm sexually attracted to Aunt May when it comes to Marissa Tomei. Why not? She's but I do it. But she, I mean, she's gorgeous. Come on. <laughs> 50, Come on. 50 what? 50, 50, 50. Look, yeah. I sometimes, I, when, I, when I was single, I used to watch that episode of Seinfeld when she played Marissa Tomei into short bald guys. And I'm like, <laughs> Come on now, Marissa, I'm right here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but having said all of that, I think this is comic book accurate at me. Like that, mm. that's, and that's why I think the MCU can do whatever they want because we have comic book accurate Spider-Man mm. stuff here mm. that we can go mm -hmm. to. And this this is a great Aunt May. She's phenomenal. Very traditional. I yeah, and that's and I I I that's the same for like uh, uh we don't really have a lot of Ben Parkers either. No, this this is it. I mean, oh I'm sorry, oh, Martin Martin Sheen also. Martin Sheen. I did like Martin Sheen as Ben Parker. Yeah, by the way. yeah. I, I yeah. do want to say that I did like him as Ben Parker. I just didn't need to see Ben Parker die again. <laughs> and, yeah. But oh, poor Cliff Robert, he's so sweet. He reminds me like reminds me of my grandpa. Actually, I realized yeah. funny. It's like just like he's like, oh, I don't. It's like a hardworking, strapping kind of older man. I just, oh, I just, I was like, he's so sweet. He was. You feel terrible for him when Peter lets yeah. him have it in the car. Oh yeah, yeah. you really feel that scene. And bad. Even when Peter just flakes on him painting the kitchen, like, yeah. because yeah. You, look, you know, if you know Spider Man, you know that Uncle, you're just fucking ticking down the minutes. Mm -hmm. Uncle Ben's mm -hmm. dead, you know. Mm -hmm. And so to watch that, which is comic books accurate, like I don't think it happens exactly like that. But he, you know, Peter Parker's kind of a shit until Uncle Ben dies after he gets his powers, and to watch that is is kind of heartbreaking when you see those scenes, knowing where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Anyways. thought there was some fun cameos of actors that ended up like I, getting a lot bigger. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I want to ask, and I think this is where you're going, so that's why I want to ask this question. Did anyone catch the other Oscar winner who was a had a, a like literally a throwaway nothing role in this movie? Is it uh, 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 Viola Davis? No, Olivia, yeah, Olivia, uh, uh, Viola Davis. Oh my gosh, um, Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Yes, <laughs> Octavia. That's where you were going, right? Mama, yeah, yeah, yeah. Viola Davis is Viola Davis is in Kate and Leopold. I'm like, what are you doing in this? You have like a line in Kate and Leopold, Viola Davis. Well, she's also in Suicide Squad, right? That's Viola yeah. Davis. Yeah, she's Amanda yeah. Waller. Yeah. Well, we also get speaking of uh, well, not exactly Suicide Squad, but Joe Manganiello is Flash Thompson. Oh, oh my god! Oh, that's Joe Manganiello. Yeah. That's Joe Manganiello. I'll see from True Blood. I love him. Yes. Yeah, now he's in the DC. Well. Yeah, wow. he's all over the place now. He's like great he's a big deal. I I, I talked because oh my gosh because I'll always kind of tie him anything I see him in now I'm like you were 
your flash from like spider-man and he yeah. and me and my sister are talking about it because he's such a he looks like talk about adults playing teenagers but oh. he also is such a good sam raimi actor i feel like sam raimi should pull him back because he's like kind of a little bruce campbelly he's like very like yeah animated super over the top and i was like that's a that's a sam raimi actor if i ever saw one <laughs> you know he, he's there in Flash Thompson, and then we get Elizabeth Banks as Betty Bryant. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, I didn't even recognize her. I, I went to Reg, I'm like, wait, who is that again? She's like, oh. Elizabeth Banks. I'm like, I didn't recognize her. Yeah. So many people. Um, <laughs> and Macy Gray, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Macy Gray. <laughs> she tried to walk away from this movie, but, you know, but she stumbled. They can't all work. It doesn't That's matter. Trash. I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> I won't do it again. Let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I think we also could talk about Danny Elfman's score That's of the film as score. well. I mean, Ooh. I know Alex has a comment here. Did a great yeah. job composing the soundtrack. I mean, he also did Batman as well. Tim Burton's Batman movies and yeah. amongst mm -hmm. a thousand other things. And, and The Simpsons and Tales from the Crypt. And yeah, and, and like a few, uh, and pretty much everything. Dick Tracy, yeah. which you know, like he literally has done. Uh, did he do? I think he might have done some music for Sweeney Todd too. Like he's all over the place. All he's the done Tim a lot Burton. of Tim Burton stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's that killed me that I realized he only was like Oscar nominated for Big Fish. Isn't that crazy? That he's like that's never it. had a lot of like Oscar nominations. It, that blew it? my mind. I we had to Google it. We had to be like pull up his IMDb. Maybe someone do it now. Maybe I'm wrong. How is he it's like nominated? Big Fish. It's like just Big Fish is the Oscar That's nomination. That's crazy because Batman, like Something Batman, he, is not, his most iconic score. Yeah. yeah, I'll never forget my husband. One time we watched the first Batman because we're like, well, let's, let's we haven't watched the '89 in a while. Let's put it on, and then you know, like just playing the credits, that music goes, and I just turn, you know, I'm like, man, what a great score! Like, how often do you think about this score? And my husband, without missing a beat, goes, I think about this score every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day of my life, I run this through my head, <laughs> and I was like, oh, "What?" It's, uh, oh, that's awesome! <laughs> oh no, it, it's absolutely a dynamite score there. It's uh, great. No, but that, this, this is a beautiful. This is like also super beautiful, like just just haunt a little haunting. I don't, yeah, like I don't know, captures that sort of sentimentality too. I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think it, it does. I think. Elfman is the, the perfect person to go for, like, especially around this time for your superhero stuff, you know, mm -hmm. because it doesn't sound anything the Batman stuff, but it's just no. as iconic. It's just mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. sort of, it, it embodies complex. the tone of the movie. It, complex. Yeah. Very complex. Way to put it. I'm yeah, not a piece of And all of this ties together, though, to make, because, like, this is one of those things Rogan's coming in here. Uh, first movie I remember taking over movie theaters like that. I mean, yeah, it was like, I remember seeing it in the theater, jam-packed, crowd reactions yeah. all over the place. Mm -hmm. People were losing their shit. I did see it in the Midway Theater right by where Jason lives now. In, in Midway. Queens. Yeah, love, love the Midway Theater. Um, but this is one of those like comic book tentpole movies that I think that I, I look back on that really were game changers. Like you had yeah. uh, the original Superman the movie, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then mm. I think after that you have Batman '89, yeah, yep, which is another one that made it. We gave Blade a lot of props because they get shit on constantly. Look, and Blade. I, I'm gonna say I said it on our Blade episode. I'm gonna say it again. There is no MCU without that uh -huh. first Blade movie. Hmm? That's it. That's a fact. It's a Marvel movie. Yep. 
Yeah, because it was and the it's, first it's, one I gave the Marvel yeah. on the map because they never yeah. had a big theatrical release before. And it was rated R and it was a badass yep. movie. And, and it, it was wasn't West, Wesley yeah, Snipes. Snipes. Yeah. And it was it was just a core cool movie. It was horror and yeah. it was action. And it was one of the few properties that Marvel could not auction off because mm-hmm. that was a thing. It's like it's they the, the reason the MCU is such a special thing and Disney has to literally get all of the infinity stones by buying every single goddamn company that ever looked at a Marvel property is because Marvel sold their properties off and auctioned them off and and, and so they didn't own any of the, the rights to do this stuff. And so Blade was the only thing they had, and Blade is the one that kept them afloat and made them a little money and went, wait a minute. Maybe we can actually do something mm, with this. Mm, mm. Yeah. So the, then after Blade, I mean, X Men gets its X-Men, boss, yeah. which was the X- big one, the first X Men. X Men. I think this is... raised the bar after that. But I remember. But I remember because remember you're seeing X Men on like. At, because I again, I read comics. My brothers were super into the comics, but we watched the cartoons all the time, like religiously. Oh, that, so that, that '90s cartoon is amazing. Oh, yes. it just you know, perfect. And like I said, there was a lot of a lot of Spider Man. Just I know, I know Morbius only from the cartoons of Spider Man. It's like super the weird lore. But then, like that was like X Men was different. It was it was like they were super serious and gray suits. They weren't our like our X Men that we knew and loved from when we were kids. It's like mm-hmm. it was a bit scarier. And then I remember seeing a still because you had to read magazines, and I just saw perfect Spider Man costume, like perfect colors, Mary Jane, red hair, and I was like, this is this is Spider Man. This is yeah. like. This is it. Like, he's not in a dark suit or anything like that. And I was that's was kind of I think different for me. Yeah, and that's why I think this Spider-Man is the game changer. Yeah, like you said, X-Men tried to make it more grounded, mm-hmm. more like the dark suits you had mentioned, but Spider-Man was like, that's Spider-Man. No. That Spider-Man. is the costume, that is it. He is swinging yeah. around, which if you want to say the CGI is obviously dated fine. You can't do anything Whatever. about that. Look, it's yeah. not any technology yet. It's, it's you can't. Good. You can't ding a movie because it was made before CGI was yeah. good, you need, as good as it is yeah. today. You can't ding a movie for that. No, not at all. I mean, shit, fucking like he's mostly CGI now. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was watching this in four, you know, a really nice four K TV that we bought like a year ago, and I yeah, realized, so of course, you can see the 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 CGI, like you know, the when it's bad, it's like oh, look at that, like him kind of climbing up, but then seeing. Um, the just pure what's practical like the fight mm-hmm. scenes and his suit yep. and the costumes mm-hmm. look great and look so good and and so many of those goblin scenes are practical mm, effects yeah, which yeah. I, I think that's that makes it look good like i remember like the goblin scene where he comes in and pretty much tries to kill his son and, <laughs> and mj uh, and 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 does effectively kill the people trying to take his company like when he's on the glider like coming at them like that was actually, I believe, Willem Dafoe yeah. on like some machine yeah. to make it look like he was on the glider. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they only relied on CGI when they absolutely had to, yeah, yeah, sort of makes me go like, because there are movies that I watch now where I'm like, the CGI is terrible, and ninety percent of this movie is CGI. I can't forgive it. You could have done some mm-hmm. practical things. This does the CGI as it needs to because there are just certain things that you can't do in real life. But it does, and again, again, this is Sam Raimi, and Sam Raimi is a director, and his really good understanding of practical effects. Right? If you watch Evil Dead movies, that's all like mm-hmm, corn syrup, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But he he get he understands how to stretch a practical effect to make it look good, and it's really evident here. And I think that's why it works, even though the CGI is dated. Hmm. 
I'm sure it gets better as it goes along. Obviously, you get more money, especially the Doc Ock stuff, which is actually all practical too. Yeah. You know, for the most part, it's like, again, just something I wish more Marvel movies would do nowadays, but I know that's time consuming. So. Well, we, we just found out it was yesterday. Uh, Tom Holland disclosed in an yeah, interview yeah. that, yeah, Doc Ock's arms in No Way Home are going to be all CGI now, and that, like, That's Alfred awesome. Molina had to, like, learn how to act differently <laughs> right. with, like, nothing right. there now. Right. So I thought it was really interesting. That's actually awesome to know. Like, I, I kind of wish that it was still practical, but. I think it's awesome to know that Alfred Molina is like, wait, gotta, but there's nothing there. When I did it last time, there was something there. <laughs> so, yeah, I think overall, like going back on this, I mean, listen, I've always, I never didn't love the film. I've always loved the film mm-hmm. and it kind of just warmed my, my heart again. Mm-hmm. And I watched this with like a smile ear to ear and I was like, kind of pause it. I didn't want to miss the scene or anything. I walked yeah. out of the room. I was like all locked in and it just reinvigorated me with like, you know something, man? Toby's got to show up in No Way Home. He's exactly. really got to show yeah. up in No Way Home. Yeah, and, I, and I've said he's the one who I believe who's in it. Garfield, mm. I'm not so sure. But. Yeah, I, I think, but here's the thing. I don't need Garfield in there. It's <laughs> no, fine if I he's don't. in there. I don't need him in there. You're giving me the Green Goblin and you're giving me Dr. Octopus. Mm. You same movie. Have to, in the same movie, you have to give me Toby Maguire's Spider. You just fucking have to. They would love for Electro, huh? <laughs> um. Well, uh, well, you don't know this, Jenny. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Oh, no, the third he hasn't. One? Oh, no, 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 the second one. Oh, the, se- the, the, the sorry, second the, amazing the second, Spider-Man. Second amazing yeah. Spider-Man, which he's going to see for the first time. Yes, when we do for it the here. show. Enjoy. I've never actually. I only finished that movie. I'm, it's well. Why would you? Um, I don't know. It's a me- like a mess. But like, so I I, I like Jamie Foxx a lot, but I I was I don't really like what I hear of that electric. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> It's like, this is like King this Toby. Is, these episodes are Alex's time to shine. Alex is my nephew who loves, <laughs> loves, loves these Sam Raimi movies. He visited me over the summer and we rewatched all three of them oh, in like two days. So good. Yeah. Which, which is great. I think it's so cool because I mean, Alex is I know. like considerably younger. Yeah. And he appreciates Tobey Maguire and like loves Tobey Maguire. I can't wait for his. The fences of Spider-Man Three because I know I think when it first came out I tried to I wanted to love it so much because I was so hyped for it yeah and then I saw it I couldn't do it anymore I'll, I I'll say something Alex's defense defenses of uh, Spider-Man Three that I've heard good one of two ways one it made they made me go. Okay, yeah, I, I could see that. There was there's more to the movie yeah. that we give credit for. But mm-hmm. the second is like listening to me def- defending Suicide Squad. Which I which we Do you, we defend, did a whole, do you defend Suicide Squad? We did a whole episode where you, I defended Suicide you really? Squad. Really? On I suggest you go back and watch the Suicide Squad episode and I'm not Give him all the crap for it. Okay, I'm but not, you're, not, you're not you're not like you're not like being um what's it called I'm like not, not, not being ironic. I'm not being sarcastic or, or ironic. I think it is a very flawed movie. It's not a great movie at all. But I think Margot Robbie and Will Smith, yes, and Viola yeah. Davis do yeah. do enough that makes me okay to watch it. And there's a, like Batman stuff in there, so like. You know, it's not a good movie. We watched it and I literally said, every time they dinged it, I was like, yeah, just turn your brain off. You're right. It's a terrible moment. Turn your brain <laughs> off. Margot <laughs> Robbie's here. Off. Like, 
you know, Harley Quinn is in the scene. Like, so that is how I defend that movie, to be clear. That's, that's, I was like, I enjoy, I won't, I won't turn it off. I'm like, yeah, seems like I was leave it on the background. I, I think it's fine. Like, it's, Aesthetically. It's not, it's not something that offends me. It's, it, you know, it's fine. I know you're offended you by You go back and watch the episode. Me and Tony are like, <laughs> oh, man. we're chomping at the bit and we're like yelling about it, about how much we hate this movie. Exactly. And it's, it's a very interesting panel that we, that and, we have for that one. And I'm just like, guys, turn it off. It's fine. <laughs> no, no. Turn it off. No, no, no. Shush, shush, shush. Turn it off. <laughs> Yeah, th this time around I couldn't, and I. Uh, just... Yeah, I boy, boy, by the way, that's an old episode. That's a, that's a contentious episode. I'll check it out. Please, please do go back and check that out. And Rory, I think you're new to yes. watching those too. If you're interested in Suicide Squad, I'm curious. Come back in two weeks. Well, no, come back next week, and then come back again the week after right. and watch all of them. But yes, I... we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Three. That should be very interesting. That's people seem to be defending it more, and I'm... I don't know what's going on here. It's kind of crazy. Ginny, I have to be honest. I when I reached out to you and I asked you which of these three Raimi Spider-Man films oh. you want to be on, I expected you to go full in. Spider-Man Three is the mm. best. Like I expect. Because I know, I know your type of uh, yes. like you know, we have very yes. similar tastes, yes. and I thought you were going to go all in on defending Spider Man three. So when you said Spider Man one, I was like, that was unexpected. Mm. Ooh, safe <laughs> choice. I that's funny. I never that was a bad like because I put that movie off. Like I should have watched it in theaters, and I didn't. Yeah, and then like it kind of got like I just maybe just, I don't know what was going on. But then I was like, I just feel like i never i don't remember a lot of it and it's cringy like not in again like with the gwen stacy stuff and then there's like it's so strange it's emo peter and he's getting married jane i don't know and venom like i think roy's right to take venom out of that movie it's a better movie oh i i absolutely agree with you and again i don't want to bury what we our show for from two weeks from now because i don't want to talk about it mainly then but I, yeah, I started at midnight, of course, because that's when he did midnight showings then. And I was yep. beyond amped up for this movie. I was like, oh, my God, there's Venom, there's Sandman, there's this. And then we got the turd that we got. And I was, like, pretty upset. And, again, I saw it multiple times in the theater wanting to try to like it more. And more really? And it just wasn't. And it started pissing oh, me off no. further and further and further. Like, what did I miss? What went wrong? What did I miss? What did I not catch in this movie that I know is good? That was um, my experience with episode one of Star Wars, Phantom Menace. I, that's why I, that's why I'm, so, I was so burned that I disliked the, uh, the, the, the prequel so much It's because I saw Phantom Menace. I was so excited about it. And I watched it. And I went, that was terrible. It must be my fault. I didn't get Maybe it. Me. Let me see it a couple more times. And I literally saw it a couple more times and I went, no, that's just terrible. Oh, so, no, and that's no, my no, experience. No. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I wanted to like so I wanted to like certain movies so much. And yeah. I kept rewatching it and hoping to find oh. something better. <laughs> and it just pisses me off even more. And it just goes in the exact opposite you direction. You gave it a go. Oh, you sometimes, you, sometimes you try. I mean, come on, Spider-Man Spider live, live action. Of course, I was going to try it. Of course, <sighs> yeah. yeah, of course. It's all there. All there. So much was there. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you should do that, and then come check <laughs> us out in two weeks. Drogan, go get hammered and join us for Spider-Man yeah, Three in a couple it. of weeks. You're, you'll. I can't say you won't regret it. No, you you know, well, no. If you're you hammered, you won't regret it because you might not remember it. Might not remember. That's <laughs> true. So, before we wrap this movie up, can I just say two more things? Yes. Because there were notes that I didn't get to when we got to the scene. So, 
Um, Peter essentially murders the guy who kills Uncle Ben, which I really like. Yeah. That I mean, seems scary, too. And, and that was that the scene. That seems a little scary. That was the scene that I wrote down, which I wanted to bring up, that that was shot like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Just like falling, back, falling down from the yeah. ceiling in the back, and he's out, of, yeah. he's out of focus. Like, there's some really good filmmaking technique in here. Um, but yeah, so I love the fact that he pretty much kills Uncle Ben's killer and everything, but he does everything but push the guy pretty much. Um, oh, but is it Uncle Ben's killer? No, it is. It is. No, no, no. We haven't gotten there yet. It is still. Okay, uh, sure. It didn't happen yet. Didn't happen yet. They haven't retconned us yet. No. And and I want to say that this version of New York is a dystopian nightmare <laughs> that people get freaking just. People get rolled around and shot at and beat up by mur- like and mugged all the time. Like I watch as an adult, I'm watching a lot of the superhero properties, and I'm going, "This is great!" Uh, like for because I love this stuff, but it's also like in real life, this is terrible. Terrible. The crime is up. <laughs> who was the mayor at the time? Giuliani. Who was it? <laughs> we got to get rid of Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man's a menace. He's a menace. menace. We're gonna we're gonna push Spider Man and the Squeegee people and all of the sex workers in a Long Island city where they belong. <laughs> Cleaned up Forty Second Street. Got to clean, get out the Spider Man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a quick story. I used to work in Long Island City, right, for a limousine company, and it was right by the Fifty Nine Street Bridge. And every now and then, I'd go outside. I used to smoke cigarettes. I go outside. I have a cigarette, and um, sex workers would walk from the bridge. And because they were, in fact, in Long Island City. And then one time, uh, actually, Spider-Man walked from the bridge. And I was like, Spider-Man, what are you doing? He was like, yeah, Giuliani pushed me into Long Island City with the sex workers. So it was a very bizarre moment. That's right. It's 80s movie New York where the streets are always wet and people die. That's right. That's right. And and every person is just looking to rape you around every corner, no matter what. Like, because isn't that's what pretty much happens to Mary Jane, right? Like, they just converge on her and try to rape her. Before we get a very nice scene, which is like the iconic scene of the film with the upside down kiss that's yet to be talked. So McGuire talks about like the water going up his nose constantly. But it looks so. It looks I think great. Of, it looks good. I think about that, but I go, "Oh, what is like a great, intimate, beautiful moment? Beautiful moment." I wish I wish Kirsten Dunst would just come from no out of nowhere backward and kiss me like that. <laughs> Jason, okay. put, Jason, put it this way though: it could be worse. There could be a guy in a hockey mask walking around with wet streets <laughs> who dumps people's heads into toxic waste barrels because we know they were always. In alleys yeah. in, in Manhattan. In New York. That only, happened, that only happens in Canada. Wait, <laughs> in New York, Canada. Canada, Canada New Vancouver? York. No. Yeah, yeah. Jason takes Vancouver. You never saw that oh movie? Oh, my God. No way. <laughs> they spend 10 minutes in Vancouver oh, and the rest on the boat. They do. Actually, that's the funny part is that movie, Jason Takes Manhattan, they spend the entire movie on that boat, oh, 10 God. minutes in Vancouver, Manhattan. <laughs> so he doesn't even take Vancouver. He shows up and does a little touristy stuff. In and Jason takes a ride on a boat. We know yeah, that's, that's it. The that's it. I mean, exactly. To Vancouver. <laughs> but whatever. We're, we get into horror movies. It's because yeah, it's we'll Halloween, but whatever. Go ahead. Is there any other scenes you wanted to bring up? No, that no, those are my two things. Those are my two things: the dystopian nightmare and Peter kills his uh, <laughs> uncle Ben's killer. Oh my uh, gosh! Gene, do you have any other scenes you want? Uh, to I said I have, I have Bruce Campbell, of course. Bruce Campbell. Oh, everything. Oh, that's a great scene. Oh, he's so so 
so special and so wonderful. And then Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless as the guy is like, oh, he's hot. Yeah. 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 Looks great. Looks fabulous. Looks wonderful. Love her. I didn't realize that was her, actually. I had yeah. not for the longest time till like yeah. I don't know till I was finally in the college and I was like oh Lucy Lawless what you doing here, um, uh oh my gosh, there was a rumor oh. at one point that Raymond that um well, I was about to say right that he was that he was actually Mysterio Bruce Campbell I at know the movies, he was Mysterio yeah. and that never came to be just give me a little bit like maybe it could have been a little villain in in one of you know third one or something you know but I w- yeah. I want to go to the um I want to go to the the alternate universe in the multiverse where Bruce Campbell actually in Spider-Man 4 was Mysterio. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we will talk about the potential Spider-Man 4 when we talk about Spider-Man 3. We will. Because we there was to. a whole lot about that. I also just, and I just mentioned the soundtrack is love. Say what you will about uh, Chad Kroger. That soundtrack is, I had that, I studied, I would study with that soundtrack, all of the songs and the score on there too. I love it. Oh, I, 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 I worked yeah, at it a, is a good soundtrack. I worked at a Sam Goody at the time, <laughs> and they nice. Sony was one of our, you know, the rep would come in and was like, "Oh, you know, you know, I want to add space and stuff." And they put up Spider-Man soundtrack posters, and they gave us demos of the out al- album, oh. of the album, and we had the soundtrack, and we would play it in the store constantly. Oh, Chad Kroger's Hero, which we opened up this episode with, was blasting in our <laughs> Sam Goody like yeah. constantly. <laughs> that was just beyond excited for this damn thing. I miss, I miss that. We need more more iconic songs to, to promote movies. We don't have those anymore. But. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rare these things. Um, all right, so I guess that's pretty much kind of wraps up our Spider-Man discussion. All right, uh, but before we go, before we go, I want to say two sentences about Spider-Woman, the cartoon that I watched. Oh, oh God, he's guys, just dying to get to this guy. I have to. I'm sorry this was insane. Spider-Woman and Spider-Man go to Egypt and they fight alien mummies. And I don't mean mummies that come from space. I mean our mummies in Egypt come to life and they were secretly aliens the whole time Mm -hmm. lying in wait. Mm -hmm. And the pyramids are their spaceships. Uh Uh That checks out. That's historically accurate, I'm sure. 1978 Spider Woman. That is is a historical document right there, ladies and gentlemen. Do they win? (laughs) Of course, the, yeah, look, the, the spider twins beat the hell out of the alien mummies. Kind of curious um, too. With, with the, but I do love the fact that it wasn't mummies from space; it was our mummies who were aliens somehow. All along, they were the all they along. were the aliens all along. They were aliens all, all along. along. <laughs> But that's it. Okay, now I'm done. I'm, I wasn't going to hold the show up long. Now Rogan's going to go watch Spider-Woman now. Okay? Oh, no. Rogan, get... please, look, we'll, we'll get together. We'll talk. I'm, I'm going to watch the whole thing when I have time. It's only like a season. We'll get together. We'll get really drunk and we'll talk Spider-Woman. <laughs> I'm, down with, I'm down for that, by the way. We should let's do put it. that together. Let's, let's put that together. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Jeannie, thank you so much for joining thank us you. tonight on this Thanks, episode. Guys. We're so excited Great to have you here. I'm um, so excited. I'm so excited to start our James Bond show. Guys. Me too. Oh, I'm pumped. Oh, man. Um, oh. And I guess we'll, we'll perhaps we will see you on another episode of Granny's PC since apparently you're in for Batman forever. Yeah. Yeah, you're oh. in now. Oh, man, please. <laughs> so many things to say. So many things. So many wonderful things to say about the movie. <laughs> the fact that you made the Chase Meridian, like, that's not even a comic book character. Oh. You literally were just referencing that movie. She's great. I love her. Because earlier, Jason had to say Batman and forever, and that's where it was, like, spoon-fed yeah. to me to Aww. go with that. 
And and it, even going back to like just the Facebook page today, they they was posting about Eddie was posting about the new Batman movie yeah. with the Riddler, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, thank God we need a good Riddler. And he posted like the Jim Carrey Riddler, and like, no, what no, do no, you no, mean? No. You have this air. man. We'll, we'll talk about that, Jimmy. You and I are going to uh, talk about that on the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We sure will. Sure will. Yeah, but thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Everyone who's joined us from any other, whether it was on the Facebook stream, on our group, on Pop Culture Bros group, go ahead and join both of those. Follow us. We got daily talk every day about comic book stuff that don't make the show. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Check our show out. You can also check out other stuff that we have on the network. Uh, If you're into the New York Giants, you can check out Tim and Farachi. They have the We Stomp You Out show. If you're into wrestling, you can check out Tim again mm. on the Just Too Sweet show. They're on Tuesday nights. Um, they also have a strictly football show with has to do with fantasy football and football overall. Uh, it's Unsportsmanlike Conduct. That's with Tim. They're on Wednesday nights as well. Um, let's see. I mean, Jader and Kyle talk about movies, but I just don't know where they are. But they do a good job at it when they do it, so they will be back, I'm sure, they'll at some point. They'll be back point. soon. They, they, we, hopefully, they'll be back. We need them back. We do. Um, a to Z, you can check out Eric, who covers everything literally from A to Z, and I know he's been doing some live random shows from up in Deposit, New York, so you can go ahead and, and check him out. Um, yeah, and then look out for Double O Deep Dive in November. Come in November, Jason beginning and, of November. Yeah, Jason and Jeannie will be talking about James Bond films, and I will pop in from time to time as well. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week, and we'll be talking about Spider-Man 2 which we'll be getting into, which I think a lot of us will hold in extremely um, high regard still. Like, I'm, I'm not burying the lead here. That's one of my favorite superhero films of all time. It is in my top ten of all time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so. it's a fan- I, I own the Dr. Octopus um, action figure from the movie. I have the Alfred Molina version of Dr. Octopus, which yeah. I will bring on the episode next week. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about the season finale of Titan Season 3. The latest in Doom Patrol, the latest on Legends of Tomorrow, latest on Stargirl, Supergirl, and Batwoman, which Jason and I are actually on board we're, with now, we're on, and we're not we're trashing it every week. It is not. So, it, it, it was again. It was good. And, and don't forget, we're going to be continuing Baywatch nights. Going to be yes. unhassling the off. We took a little break. Oh. Eddie got sick. It just makes us realize that we need to unhassle the off more. Ginny, I don't know if I told you this, but every beginning of every episode, uh, me, just me. I watch an episode of Baywatch Nights and I take six minutes to talk about it. Ooh, good, good luck. <laughs> I was like, I'm I watch actually, Baywatch. I just like I'm a Baywatch girl. I just don't watch. I don't watch Baywatch. I'm Nights. actually kind of really enjoying Baywatch Nights. <laughs> <laughs> he is. By the way, Roy, good night and yes, back to formula. Yeah, back to formula. We got busy for a bit. Thanks for watching, Roy. Love to have you. All right, everyone, have a good night. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Later.